The Sisu Way, Episode 8, with Tate Fletcher. This episode is dedicated to my sister, who is resilient and learning that she is more powerful than any obstacle she faces, and there is strength in vulnerability. I begin with humility, I act with humility, I end with humility. Humility leads to clarity, humility leads to an open mind and a forgiving heart. With an open mind and a forgiving heart, I see every person as superior to me in some way. With every person as my teacher, I grow in wisdom. As I grow in wisdom, humility becomes ever more my guide. I begin with humility, I act with humility, I end with humility. This is the Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, life philosophy, fitness, leadership, service, and what it means to choose strength. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, friend, thinker, and a peaceful warrior with an open mind and an unconquerable soul. So the opening to that, that was Eric Greitens in the book Resilience, a hard-won wisdom for living a better life. And it draws on letters that he wrote to a fellow SEAL at the time that was struggling with PTSD. Now, ironically, that guy's actually going through some... Uh, some political business in the news like in the last month or two, but none of my business because the message there is clear. Did he get me too'd? A little bit. A little bit. He had, yeah, he had some stuff going on with uh, a mistress and some... All the messy stuff of life. Yeah, some blindfolds. I think he actually <clears throat> taped her up to like a set of rings, exercise rings, and took some, I don't know. People like different stuff. Yeah, man. So you guys don't recognize that voice. That is my guest, a teacher to me, a recalibrator. <laughs> That is Tate Fletcher, who has a wide-ranging resume. And a couple of things. He's been a drug addict, a UFC professional fighter, turned actor, stuntman, entrepreneur, caveman coffee connoisseur, BJJ black belt, <laughs> gym owner, a legit professional podcaster. And uh, he's been killed by a lot of cool movie and TV characters. And we'll get into that stuff later. Uh... But honestly, that stuff isn't why you're here to me. Um, it does impress me. It's great and everything. But it's actually not what really impresses me about you. Do you know what's interesting about all that stuff, too, as you read it, is that I, I think about all that. And it's like it's easy to start blushing and be like get embarrassed about shit. But it, at the end of the day, I've um, been thinking about this a lot, about social media and about the, uh, how it turns your biology in a way. And... That's just all stuff I've done, you know, and I talk to a lot of young men and there's a lot of questions regarding how do I either have or curate a life and that's moving into greater, more positive out, outflows. And then what I see a lot in the question that was really coming to me yesterday, I just like to watch people and I was watching people down at Venice Beach and... And uh, when I do, I think here's people, everybody's trying to formulate the best picture so that they can show people what their life is, even though they're trying to orchestrate kind of, they're architects of this picture instead of being architects of their life. Now the same picture can exist, but the intention's super important. Am I here for the picture or am I here for my life and somebody happened to get a picture of my life? And 
and that's the thing is out of my own miseries or, or frustrations of, of growing and living. It's like, I just had to attach myself to things that were interesting to me because I couldn't do it the way that had been laid out for me. That wasn't going to be a route for me. And so I just, this idea of falling in love with your life was something that some guys really implanted in me and it became hyper important to where anything else seemed almost laughable and ridiculous as far as that that's not going to meet my values of function and performance for my life and it will not curate any happiness in my life. So I just started doing those things I like and then those things started to look like rad things to other people in, in a way, you know what I mean? So that I, I kind of have to give a caveat of like everything in my life, I was just trying to save my own life with the best information I had, you know? I think that's something that's important. So it's tough to take credit for that in a way or, or be like, yeah, that's me. It's well, kind of like, I'm just a guy trying to get through the thing too, you know? That... And this is something I, I wanted to, I'm glad you brought it up because I was, I was going to address this point. And that is, those are, those are things, but those things aren't necessarily you, right? right. And wh- how do you identify yourself? And, you, and, and we're not titles, right? Yeah, I, I feel like for a long time I go, I'm an alcoholic. And, uh, and still, I, 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 I present myself with my brokenness. Uh, here's the thing. There's masters all around us, right? Like if a guy told me one time, he says, you don't believe in God, Tate? And I go, eh, I don't know. And he said, I would have you tell me what you're thinking about today. I was like, well, I got bills, man. I'm out and I I was going to go stack firewood (laughs) for this guy. And then I was going to go build this other dude a fence. And and he says, "I'd, I'd say that money is your God today. And then, and I, I thought, you're kind of a dick. And then I went on with my, and I, and I heard this lady talking one time and she was talking about her kids and this and that. And somebody else had brought up, cause we're looking, you know, this group of people I was with, we're looking for answers for our life. And this, and a dude brings up your kids are your God lady. That's all you're talking. And so that idea about God consciousness became a huge, hugely important thing to me of like, what are you thinking about? Are you bringing God and whatever that means for you, if that's your doorknob, if that's a turn up, if that's Jesus, if that's whatever it is, it doesn't matter much. It matters maybe that it doesn't have skin on it. It doesn't have a heartbeat, that it's not fallible, that it's this idea maybe or a, or an aggregate of all souls as I think of it is like all our souls are united and connected and, and that the, 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 the whole is greater than a sum of its parts is Euclid would say, you know, yep, like, yep. like we're this, we're there's this collective consciousness that is temporarily occupying these organic husks. True. Yeah. I, and, and I believe I'm just a part of that. Yep. And that humility really rings true in, in that kind of uh, a scenery and that in a cathedral that you build like that. And that's the thing is we get to choose our cathedrals that we build. And I, I mean, that's what's tripping me out about be, even sitting here is the presentation and the intention of the room that we're in right now is is so important and so many of those things and when i say what and i'll go back to alcoholism but when you come out of a of a of a broken past whether that's illness of whatever kind or there's a lot there's a lot of heartaches and maladies in the world it can easily seem like what's the use that not much matters and and i had that voice ringing in my head and I would curate that voice and carry that voice into future miseries, which is what that voice does. That's the job of that voice, you know? 
And then a dude said, I, I'd like you to consider that, that everything matters, that it matters what you're thinking and where you're mm -hmm. going and what you're talking about. Those things matter, Tate. Your footprints matter. And, and like this room, I mean, it's like you, when you see this, you go, okay, this matters. And then I had another friend of mine dovetailing that that says, in horrible depression, I just want to I want to feel like I was significant to the people around me. Like, what legacy am I leaving? What, like, all these things that clamor in um, a mind that is maybe not directed very well, right? Because we start to think and we start yep. to make meanings out of the life around us. And I was like, the thing in front of you right now is what matters. Everybody makes an impact. But if you're thinking about yourself, thinking, I just want to be important so I can make an impact, you'll never make that impact. You have to be out and you have to touch flesh and you have to be in the street and you have to be with people. Like that's the deal is that you can make a difference right now in front of you to people. And, and, and that becomes the thing that, that becomes a thing of going, where can I be useful and purposeful? And that was the only thing that really got me on the other side of alcoholism in a huge way was going, where can I be a service to the world? And am I best fit to be a best service? And then that brought me into questions and it brought me, you know, back kind of, I'd read a lot of, uh, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, got me into Marcus Aurelius a lot. It's a real guidepost for my life. He and early American authors, uh, like throughout, like the, when you go through these kinds of books and you go, the calmness, that pausing and reflecting on the moments matter too. And so when I would, when I would get into that and I would think being a purpose, being useful, not wanting to kill yourself is completely inextricably connected to being helpful to somebody else. So the more useful I can be, I had a guy telling me about he needs to make more money. What could he do for an extra job? And I go, I think you're asking the wrong question. I think the question is, is how can you be more useful to your community? Do you speak Spanish? Are you in the best physical condition you can be? Can you defend your family? Like there's, there's a myriad of things, yep. you know? And so when I started looking at things as things mattered, the, the lessons abound, you know, it becomes, it becomes almost too much in a way you need to filter it and go, okay. So now the people that are around me, you know, when, when you, when you read that and you said, uh, I have lessons to learn from everybody. I look at everybody as superior to me in some fashion. And it, it's, it's tough to do that with some people because some people are, vastly deficient oh yeah on all marks yeah. right there, there's that everywhere and in every industry i mean whether you're a cop you see that guy or whether you're an athlete you see that guy or whether you're you know uh in the union you see that guy. like it's everywhere it's everywhere but it matters who you hang around too and so like i really try to spend time with the people that i see that i have the most admiration for and that kind of awe me as to how are they producing that? Because I just, I don't have it in me, you know? And, yeah. and there's that kind of a thing too. I think that's so important about where I look. And then as far as learning from everybody, I mean, I'm a dick. Like I, and I'm, I only, cause I only want results. I don't like, they told me early on, dude, they go, I don't care how you feel, Tate. We're trying to save your life. So how you feel about it is inconsequent. It literally fucking doesn't fucking save it. I'll hang up mm -hmm. the phone on you. I don't care how you feel. It's what you're doing. And I'm going to tell you where to put your feet and that will unlock the fucking door you're in front of. And when I was able to be humbled to that degree where, you know, what's humility? A dude told me, he says, it's called being teachable, Tate. It's not humiliation. It's being teachable. It's your open-minded enough to look at a thing that heretofore you had no idea of. And that seems like 
you know, if it's outside of somebody's worldview or their scope, they go, that can't be real. Like I would have known that because I'm the shit, you know. And it's, so yep. there, there, there takes a bit of leveling to even get to a place where you can get the information. Yep. So to go to go back, those yeah. those things are not necessarily you, and that's what I was going to point out. And I always tell people, like, I personally, I don't identify as a law enforcement officer. That's not even number one or two. It's weird because yeah, I don't think of you like that. I like have, this is a thing he does. Yeah. Yeah. So, but one, I identify as a good man that happens to be able to have the opportunity to use that position to be able to, you know, amplify that good man in me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get it backwards, you know, some people that that's their primary role, but like, if you take that away, what are they? Like if, if I, if you, if I lost my job, like I'm not, my identity is not going to crack. I'm not going to like lose myself. Right. Um, and to point something out, I don't know. Unless your definition of a good man is somebody that's employed in that job. I mean, and I only bring that up because it's important to go, what's my definition of a good man? What are the markers well, yes. of a good man? Yes. So number one, and it's, I've talked about this on several of my episodes, but it has to do with the sign above me, Temet Noske, and it's know thyself. And so part of what you see in this environment here, in here, um, outside of this table and these chairs that are just recently in here, I purposefully have one chair in here because it's where I come to like reflect and like reconnect to myself and do my studying and recalibrate my soul. It's like a thought chamber in here because mm-hmm. the rest of it inside the house is family and kids. I'm dad, you know, outside and about I'm whatever, whatever anyone wants to call me. But in here, it's like hit the reset button, grow, learn, recalibrate, slow everything down and then go back out into those roles. I can see that. You know, it kind of, it helps. It helps it's, to have some place. It's like meditating, you know, like some people it's just... It's the same. Yeah. It's, this is being in service to the vibration of yeah. your own soul. Whereas when you're in your home, you're being of service to your family, which is appropriate. Yep. And when you're in the world, you're of service to your community. Like yeah. that's the thing. But I, I think that you have to have, have to have that. And you have to have the knowledge in your mind that these are distinctly different animals in me that need mm-hmm. to be fed. I, I have to stay the course with my soul. I mean, because for a long time, we don't have that. Mm-hmm. We don't have any family. Fuck a community. Everybody's against me. Like, when I'm living like that, like, th- none of this is important because I don't even understand the conversation, man. I'm just trying to get through here and, and shit stacked up wrong here. But then after you get old, you, you start to figure things out, things settle down, and you go, no, I need to still be a steward of myself and my own soul. And, and here's ways to do it more artfully than I've ever known before. But also, part of that is I'm 100% responsible for my life. And where my shoes are is where my life is. And if that's fingerprints with kids and a wife or out in the community, there's people, you know, that was one of the biggest things is there are people that are counting on me. You know, and that was one of the things fighting too that was very, very clear to me was... Um, Pushing through that ego for me, and I think for a lot of guys, it was like finding out who you are under the most austere conditions. It's like here you are in your underwear in front of people that hate you. Your mom is there. Uh, guys that are looking up to you that need you to win. Dudes that want you to lose. There's the other team that's there. They've they've spent the last six weeks only thinking about your destruction. You know, and there's all this stuff going on. And who are you under that kind of pressure? 
And until we get underneath the weight, it looks easy when I watch a guy squat 400 pounds eight times. Like it looks until you get under that fucking weight and you don't have an experience, that weight of life crushes you, man. And so there's this audacity that comes up, I think, with a lot of kids when they social media is a weird thing in that way, too, where zero merit and I'm a professional. And I'm like, wow, man, that is crazy. I saw I saw a a great friend of ours that has a company that's about the same as is caveman coffee is. And it's just laying out advice about you want a successful company. Here's how you do it. And you just got to do this and do that. And I'm like, you're in the same woods I'm in, man. Like, you know, a secret because we're just doing we're doing the best we can here. And I I know you don't you're not Fortune 500. You don't really have it laid out. Let's pump the brakes on how expert we all are and just try to do good. Just be a little better than we were. That's you know, that that becomes the thing. This expert thing is guys, you guys know we can see your whole life. (laughs) One of the things you you touched on and I had a question that I wrote down here. I wanted to ask you and that was what does it mean to be a man? And is that the whole question? <laughs> I would say gender biology. I'd say there's that. We're in a weird world now no. where I can be identified as whatever. But I think at the base you go, yeah, you're born with a penis and testicles and you're not a hermaphrodite. And there's no question about any of that. And so I think at the base you have to start with the aggregate of people. And, and, and that's how we identify people. Yeah. Now, there might be somebody with a penis and testicles that identifies as not a boy. And that's a whole nother issue, but it's kind of like, I feel like it's like if I'm teaching jujitsu class, or if I'm teaching a CrossFit class, I go, I got 10 people in class. And I'm say I'm teaching a simple sweep and, and somebody's just not getting it. But really I'm, I'm, I'm just warming everybody up with the sweep. We're gonna do this every day for two weeks and, and you're gonna get good at this sweep and that's also gonna be our warm up. So you're gonna warm up in a way that's gonna create function for your body and performance and all that. And then somebody, whether they're very uncoordinated, they're on drugs, they're whatever the thing is, they're, they're not able to get it. It's a one out of, out of 10. I can spend all day trying to get that guy on there and I will lose nine people. I'll lose nine lives and I'll lose all the purpose of that. And if I just am a steward of these nine people's experience, 10 people's, and we get to the sweep, we go, okay, listen, we'll go over that more after class and I'll work with this person one-on-one. However, we're going to move on. Now we're going to start, you're mounted. After the sweep, you end up in a mounted position and now here's our options from here and then we'll work there. And I'll move along because maybe I'll have to lose one to keep those nine. And, and it's better to have the nine, man. It just is and you have to make choices like that. And so the extra care... I want to take, I want everybody to be heard. I want all the individual needs to be met. But at the same time, I have a responsibility to the greater good of the whole. And so I have to take care of those first. And then when time allows, I'm going to go and try to sort out my number 10. And I want to get them up to speed so that they can be in the race too. But that's going to take another thing clearly because there's other things going on. I kind of feel like that about what, what a man is as far as biology, gender, association, and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know... I should have. Uh, you're definitely right about the penis part. Oh well, I, 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 I and so well, I, and then I look on it as far as like as far as what's a virtuous man or what is an honorable. Man. Yeah. Now we're talking about very different things, right? We're talking about a higher line, and I just want to talk about definitions because it's kind of how I was taught to talk. Like, 
we need to, if we're going to be critical about what we're speaking of, then we need to have a definition for the thing we're speaking of, a real kind of Socratic method, and, and yep. it's tried and true, and I, I think that that's important. I think another, maybe another way I can articulate it is, and I think you already answered it, but at one point in time, are we grown up? Ooh, I hope. For me, I don't want to get grown up. Uh, what, what, what's a man? I think I would go, what are the levels of being a human in excellence? Like, what do you need? And, and so I'm trying to write, I'm not trying, I'm writing this fucking book right now. And, um, and I want to write a book. I want an owner's manual, man. I always want an owner's manual for the human body and experience in America, God damn it, and there's not one. And, uh, and so I'm endeavoring to put that together. But what I think it is, is I think that you have to have, there's four aspects of your humanity. There's your intellect, your emotions, your physicality, and your spiritual nature. And if those are out of balance, your yep. life is a little out of balance. And so I think that our goal is, is to balance those every day. And every day we wake up new and different. Different stuff happens. And sometimes we conflate emotions and intellect. And that's a, va- that's a horrible mistake. And you're just unaware. You're also called dumb is what we would call that in America. If you're, th- that's part of being dumb is being unaware. And so, so there's that, yeah, right? Yeah. I think part of it is, and this is kind of like there's a, there's a, everyone has that moment. I know you did. Um, coming from struggles or coming from life or experiences, but there's like, do you remember like there's that moment in time where you realize that you are accountable and for your own actions, like you have accountability and responsibility and ownership of yourself. There's two things that happened for me. And one was, it was just a, we noticed something and I thought this whole thing about being grown up and everybody's like, ah, I'll tell you when you're grown up, you, you know, it's like we put people off with that stuff because we don't have the answers because here we are grown ups and we don't have the answers. So, mm-hmm. Hey, wait till you're grown up. Yeah. My mom's 72 and she still hasn't figured out life. Right. And so, and then Rogan had a joke about it and he was like, you know, I never felt like a grown up. And then I'm standing in line at the grocery store and they're like, sir, would you like paper or plastic? Like, sir, <laughs> when did I become a sir? Like just a dude. But there, there's that, right? And so the first time that I started, and then, so it happens to you before you realize it is one thing. I try to not think about it because there's something that is a, the next thought becomes like retirement, like, ah, I'm grown. I'm a finished product. There's, there's something like that. And I don't want to, I don't want to destabilize the tension in my life. I want to have a high tension in my life so I can produce. A lot of people are looking for retirement. A lot of people are looking mm. for a drink on a Friday just to take the tension off. Just to, and, and I swear to God, man, the more you do that, you retard your growth. You, you, just, you just take the tension out of your fucking body. And without pressure and counter pressure, there's no result. There's no movement, man. There's no dynamic energy. And so I, I try to be conscious of that. And, and that's the one thing is that it happens before you know it. What also happens before you know it is your illnesses. Your friends will notice it first. What also will happen before you know it is your health. If you're on a spiritual road and you're looking to grow yourself in that way, other people are going to go, man, you seem more sorted out. You're calmer than you were. You'll start to hear notes like that. And so I get a lot of my information through the aggregate of people around me. So it behooves me to have those people around me be very honest high functioning humans that always have a high standard. Like, and so I make sure that those people are the ones that are around me as far as what being a man is in that way. I didn't really feel that until there were 
two things until I signed somebody else's paycheck and until there were guys that were looking at me to lead them. And, and so when that started happening, when I started coaching guys, that, that became a real thing because it mattered, man, because there's a lot of law enforcement guys. There's guys that would go into the army. There's guys that work in, there's guys that lives depended upon them being able to be able. And was I a guy that could take them to ableness of, of whatever it was? And I think that was the first thing is when you start becoming a teacher, when you start to think outside of yourself, yep. ah, not only that, you think outside of yourself a lot when you don't have shit. When you don't have any merit, you're like, oh, I'd really like to help that. Like, you know, you get this deformed altruism that happens. But when you really have something to offer, when you have merit and you've walked a road and you know a system and you go, hey, man, I can take you from here to here. Well, that's growth. You know, that's growth in a way that you can really measure in a guy. And if you know that, awesome. If you don't know that, it behooves you to go sharpen the sword. A lot of guys try to run early. Everybody wants to make money, man, and I get it. I grew up, I want to make money too, all the way through it. I'm trying to make money. I'm just fucking, I'm just trying to make my rent, man. I'm trying to, trying to make the phone, trying to keep the lights on, all that. And when I'm doing that, I don't know. I, well, I could go into that, but I'll hijack this whole thing. The, 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 whole, the, the whole thing when I'm doing that, when I'm, when I'm, I'm just sharpening the sword, man. I'm working jobs that sucked. Mm, they were great jobs. But they weren't the jobs of my choice, but they were the jobs that allowed me to do the thing I loved. I loved, I loved to play jujitsu. And so I would go and train, and then I started fighting. And so then we'd only have practices with the high-level guys at certain times of the day. So I had to adjust my, my work that I was going to eat with to make it work for the thing that I loved. So I would quit jobs to get other jobs that were at a more of a time frame. So I worked in nightclubs a lot. And, um, and that just became the thing. And I would sleep a lot of the day and then I would train at like 11 in the morning and I'd train again at five at night. And then I would go to work at like 7.30 or nine. And then I, and I would do that every day. And if you're not having a thing, I, I tell every guy, if you don't have a, a hobby that doesn't pay you shit that you're in love with and you're dying to do and you just, I don't care if it's bug collecting or fucking dissecting rats or whatever your thing is, man, climbing mountains and you want to learn how to, how to best get your, uh, the air and water and everything, right? Cause you're going to do a three day hike and there's going to be a consequence. If you run out of water or food during that time, whatever the deal, whatever your thing is, man, dig into whatever that is. And when you have an interest like that, your brain's fired in a different way. And it doesn't matter what you do. The thing is too, is I was bouncing. I'm looking at hot girls. I'm in my twenties. I'm looking at hot girls all day and I have all the power in town. It's a great thing. When I say it's a shitty job, I didn't mean that, but it was beneath what my highest ideals and, and, and values were. It was beneath what I, what I wanted my end game to be, not what my ideals and values were. It was, it was, it was beyond, uh, or it was, it was short of what I wanted to be, right? And then a dude gave me a prayer, and he says, he says uh, Tate, I just say, thank you, God. I'm not what I want to be, and I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank you, God, that I'm not what I used to be. And it brought me to tears the first time I heard it. And I really, I use that a lot, and I think about it a lot because... I'm always going somewhere. I don't ever want to look at a retirement. I don't ever want to, the, the more I do, the more I want to do. And so, uh, and I want to do it with these people that are around me. that are dope. You know what? You're lucky. You're one, of the, you're one of the lucky ones, not because of all that stuff, but because a, you got to know yourself and you're still learning about yourself, understanding your why and what makes you happy. So, like those type of jobs facilitated your why you have a powerful why it's like whatever it needs to do to facilitate that why and 
like a flow of passionate water and has led you to this position sure. here. So everything has been fantastic. And it's the way is fraught with obstacles. And that's why I love Ganesh. That's my dude, the remover of obstacles. Because there's a lot, I mean, like I said, I say it casually because I loved fighting so much that it was casual. I would do anything to, to do that. So it was, but it's not without struggle. It's not, I, I say it very casually, but it wasn't casual walks. It's like, there's a price to pay for that. And it's, there's struggle with that. And there's difficult. And so what I learned was just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score. What I learned was, is there's always a goalie and it always going to look different. Sometimes it'll have a nice big fat ass. Other times it'll look like money. Other times it'll look like, Ooh, if I lived in this state, this guy's killing, like it'll look like a lot of distractions, man. So how I take myself as I'm flowing the river of life and either notice or don't notice the distractions. I mean, what I think about, I am. So I better be goddamn careful what I think about. My mom used to say this corny shit to me when I would swear. She would say, you're going to tarnish your soul, Tate. Uh, you are fucking ridiculous. And I, <laughs> and I look back at that now. The other day, I was thinking about, uh, you know, I was like, God, if I could only get Harvey Weinstein, you know, um, I would be a Jedi right now. And I would not say a word like a gentleman. If we had a three o'clock in the morning meeting, I went up there, had to blow him. I'm a Jedi for the next three Star Wars. You know what? I wouldn't say a word 20 years later because I'm a stand-up guy like that. <laughs> but the thing is, is like... In, a very serious thing. We're recorded everywhere in our lives, right? They say somewhere in Vegas, which is weird with the mass shooting that was there because they didn't record much of that, which seems odd because they say that if you're in Vegas, a regular person, you're on video camera 20 hours out of 24 hours a day, something like that. It's ridiculous, right? So all of a sudden, all the cameras are off. Anyway, that's a whole other tangent. But the fact is, is that as we're recorded, as there are scumbags like Harvey Weinstein that are out there in the world or innocent guys that were on a bad dates like Aziz Sanzari or something like that, there's, there's all this stuff but when i when that guy told me it matters it struck me that it matters more than i think because what i think about matters what i say matters what my actions are matter and they matter if nobody's in the room the thing about when a tree falls in the forest does it matter does anybody hear it absolutely is the fucking unequivocal answer because right now i feel like our biology is being ripped apart by technology moving faster than we're able to let it settle with us, right? And anybody would press the pause button because we're going into a crazy place technologically and we're, we're being displaced biologically in a lot of different ways and whatever. But that thing also is helping us. And what technology is doing us is making us be more authentic. It's making us be more honest because if I'm uttering things or doing things that are indefensible, I have no business doing that. A human has no business doing that. If you cannot operate within your value system that you can defend and that you can say out loud, perhaps you ought to rethink that action or those words. If you're going to say words that are going to be crummy to you as far as coaching, like I heard Jason Kalipa talk about once, and it was phenomenal, and he was talking about self-coaching, and he used to be a, get back on the fucking bar, you pussy, let's go, let's just grab, and then he thought, I would never talk to a client that way. It's not even useful. It's not useful. So it doesn't mm -hmm. meet function or performance. So I go up and I grab a bar now and I'm like, okay, back straight, beautiful day, a lot of air in here, let's lift. You know, like something that's simple and actionable. Uh, you just answered one of my questions and discussion points, and, and that is this. You have the dichot dichotomy of thought, right? Mm -hmm. Always going on. And, you, and that's where you have to make a decision on how you're going to think. 
because mm-hmm. yeah, it's up to you. Even in your own head, by yourself, you can look out the window and go, ugh, it's raining. And you get one thought at a time. That's right. the buy-in, folks. You get one thought. So I personally have like a little, a little trick that I do when I start to recognize that I have that thought. Even taking a step back, I'm grateful for the ability that I have to even recognize a negative thought. Some people don't have the ability to recognize it and they get tricked. They get thought drunk, you know, tricked by the little thought devil. God, thought drunk. That's a great right? term. Yeah. So to be able to recognize it. It's crippling. It, it is. It it's is. crippling. You can't get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. And it, hurt, it hurts. I'm, I'm dealing with family members with that right now, but they have that. So one thought hack that I do is that once I have that, I immediately start replacing it with a minimum of two positive thoughts because you can't have them at the same time, right? Even a step further is if you have a negative thought, immediately follow it up with a positive action. Because then what's more powerful is action over thought. And then you end up having kind of like rebooting. So it's funny, like back in college, I had an offensive coordinator. And he was talking about the struggle of training. And you know, like especially if you're training multiple times a day and the pain and sleeping and resting. And he was talking about how the little devil tries to trick you all the time and whisper things in your head. Like, you don't need to work out today. No, just rest. Or it's okay if you want to have that chocolate cake. or Eat a pizza. Your training in the afternoon will go great. Either way, there's always a little devil on your shoulder that's trying to sabotage you and your goals. Mm-hmm. It's trying to stop you from achieving whatever you're trying to achieve. There's your inner adversary, your yeah, critic. Yeah, right? so he simplified it, man. He's like, sometimes, and excuse my language, kids here, but you got to look over that your shoulder and go, fuck you, little man. <laughs> little man, I right? love that. And so it stuck with me. Because it is a little man. Yeah. It's a little petty voice. But he's tricky. Yeah. And tricky, if you tricky. don't think you have an a, a adversary in you, who hits the snooze button? That's him. Yeah, that's you know true. what I mean? It's it. There's there's that little thing, and so ferreting that part out. That's and that's a huge part of I think being a human of growing into that of going. There's parts inside of me that are against my growth. Growth is the only thing that's going to save me, and there's parts in me that are going to hinder me from my growth, and that's a that's a crazy crazy deal. Dude hit me a long time ago, and he goes Tate. And that's why I just haven't been big on, you know, to say you're not big on thought. But I haven't, like, thought doesn't solve uh, everything, right? And, I, and, I, and it's easy to get into the thing of thought solved. But if I change my actions, my thoughts will change behind it. And that's really, a lot of, a lot of that was, uh, I would say, curative, restorative in my alcoholism is, is doing that, is doing that very thing. Of going, you know, I can I can act my way into right thinking, but I can't think my way into right acting, right? And and it's an impossibility to, and it leads to destruction. It leads to misery because if I stay in thought, well, that's a maudlin hole. I I'm not one of these guys that pumps myself up when I'm deep in thought, going, yeah, like I'm I'm in a hole and I'm the worst, most awful piece that you can ever think of that needs to be buried away from light and people. You know what I mean? That's what my thinking does to me. It doesn't, it rarely elevates me, but when I can get into action and I can get into being helpful to you and I can go, man, I would like to solve some of the issues in Scott's life. Like if I can be useful, that, that's where the freedom is. And so there's this whole thing that I think that we're built for, which is community. And I really think that in that way, when, what I was saying about social media, that is bringing us together as more of a unified force in a way. It also has a negative aspect of it. 
but but it's also showing us that your emails are never erased. You're always recorded. You act right. Behave in a way that's honorable to you, that's defensible. That might be outside the lines of the law still, but if it's defensible to you, man, that's all that I care about, man, is your soul. It, it, is if that is, is at intact, you're going to have a powerful effect on other people, and that's going to be helpful to other people, and you got to try because we're dead anyway. We're yep. already fucking dead. That's the deal. You so, are... Struggles are clear. Struggles you need, right? And it hurts. So I had this recent post on social media when I was talking about how you need to struggle to create who you, you are and who you're becoming. So you are the marble and the sculptor. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's why part of the reason why I have this hammer up there. He's pointing to this huge hammer that says Sisu on it that is bolted on with a big steel plate onto a beaten up hammerhead that's rectangular that looks like it's probably... 30 pounds or something of swinging Big a steel hammer. hammer. But it's with that that I've broken and forged myself. It's a metaphor, right? It's painful and it's a struggle, but it's that struggle. And you talked about it earlier, the tension. Right. And keeping that tension and constantly chipping away at yourself. The micro is the macro. Yep. It's the same thing. Yep. And so if you're looking, if you look at, if you know how to create tension in an athlete's body so that they can do a snatch... That's the same tension that we need in markets for good, healthy corporate markets to be able to exist. That's why, like, I mean, people trip about the president and they're like, and whoever the president is, just the office of president, it's a big deal, man. And like, I don't care who I root for. I am, I'm not not on his side, but I want to hold his feet to the fire all the time. All you dummies that are out there that are like, yeah, that's my president or vote this or vote. Man, you need to check your head, bro. Because the thing is, is the person that's the most powerful person in the room, the leader, a real leader, wants you to hold his feet to the fire because he has to hold a standard and he Mm -hmm. needs help. He needs the community to be critical of him and to be helpful. And you can be critical without being a rude person. Criticism is important, man. Anybody that comes up and tells me, hey, dude, I think that you could do this a little better. Why am I not happy to see that guy? Like so many people are like, the first thing is defensiveness. And I had to train myself out of being defensive. If you want to learn, you want to grow, get rid of your defensiveness. You must become open. You have to. Because there's information that you're seeing about me that I'll never see. I just don't have the wherewithal to see it. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, you know, our dear friend, Logan Gelbrick of Deuce Gym, I actually, uh, I got him, I saw him, not a mistake, but I saw something. And I... I don't like to use the word C, but let's just say I use it. I corrected him or I brought it up to him. And I'm like, hey, sorry, bro, you know, but, you know, this. And then before he responded, I'm like, first of all, hold on, stop. I'm not sorry. I want you expect this of me because if you fall below, I'm going to check you. It was like a quick little like. Sure. Because the whole, you know, holding the standard, like I'm going to, I'm expecting you to hold the standard. You expect me to hold the standard. If however small that thing is that goes below it, Check me. I'm going to check you. This is how we keep ourselves up, right? This is how we hold each other's feet to the fire. It's an expectation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I learned that first in a halfway house. And I was, I, I guess I was 21. And uh, a bunch of older dudes. And, and that, they were big on responsibility. They were retraining scumbags to have responsibility and order for their lives. 
And and that was one of the things is that I thought, I thought I'm going to, I, I listen, man, and this goes into alcoholism and this isn't what that's about, but like as a, you know, for clarity of the story, I'm trying to not drink for a long time. Maybe since I'm the first time I started quitting drugs, I was 14. That's when I started quitting first. Right. Mm -hmm. That's when I was like, I need to stop this. Right. By the time I was 16, I was really trying to quit drinking. Um, by the time I was 20, I was separated 21, I guess, separated from alcohol for any length of time for more than a couple of weeks, you know? And, uh, and I tried to stop on my own a lot. I was in a halfway house and, and I was like, man, I've been struck drunk where all of a sudden I'm four drinks in and I'm like, how did I even get here? Like perplex stuff that was like, it sounds ludicrous to somebody, but it's like perplexing to an alcoholic. And so I, I would look at it like that. And these guys started, they, they laid on me this Johari's window and it's like, it just shows the self that you see that everybody knows the self that you know that only your close friends know this all these different aspects of self and there's like six boxes and there's a window in there that is the self that the stranger sees in me that i do not know myself and i thought maybe that's the blind spot where i get drunk and in me this need for everybody else's opinion about me sprung up and not like crummy opinions or whatever but like i need to know what you're thinking so i got super critical and going Hey, dude, this looks like you're going to step into a pothole, dude. You better change it. He's like, why mind your business? And it was like, thankfully, it was a place where people were like, oh, man, you're right. You know, because you could do that. You could mm -hmm. do mind your business or you could say, yeah, you're right. You could be either of those guys. Be the guy to go, yeah, you're right. What I learned at that time is I go, I'm a defensive animal that's scared and I have my back against the wall. And it doesn't help me at all. Maybe it kept me alive to this point, but I need, I need a new order of business. I need a new instruction manual. And in that manual, first and foremost was, as soon as somebody says critical things to me, I'm going to say, thanks, man. I'm going to think about that. And no matter how pissed I am at you, I'm going to think about it till tomorrow, and I'm going to see where you're right. Because if you're even right 1%, man, that's a part I can polish that marble. And that's humility. And that's what I needed, right? And so I, I've tried to keep that. And now that I get to choose my life even more, the more and that's the trick, is the more you choose your life, the more you get to choose in your life. And I really, I feel super, when you say you're lucky, I, I feel remarkably fortunate in the, in the, that I get to choose who is around me mostly. I don't have to go to a cubicle and sit next to some dudes that I, maybe I don't like or pretend to have small talk. I don't ever have small talk. I think you're a real dummy if you have it. And then I go, oh, I guess well, that's what a lot of personal trainers do. They have small talk for reps of 10 or whatever. It's like, it's a trip. I, and I can't mm -hmm. do it. I just don't see the use for it. I don't have the time for it. So the people that I fuck with, they don't have the time for it either. So they're like, Hey dude, no, you, like you got to fix that. Like, the, uh, Oh man, thanks. And then it, it accentuates my growth. It accentuates my evolution to be around the people that are hard on me. Point being, I don't have to tell guys like you and Logan that I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, Hey, clean that up a little bit. You did because a lot of times we're all standing, your eyes are out here, but we're back to back. You're my brother. And I'm seeing things that your eyes cannot see. And I'm counting on you to tell me what you're seeing and vice versa. And we have this remarkable time right now, I think, with social media that it's one of the most beautiful things that I get to see authentic parts of people's lives, man. And you get to go, man, that's what the sunset looks in Saskatchewan right now or whatever. And like, I mean, that's a, a, a small thing, but like it, it, it goes into... still super cool. It's beautiful. And, and what are you it's learning? Beautiful. So... I've talked about in the past that you have, you know, you always say the youth is wasted on the young, but the, the medicine for that is time and perspective, right? Right. 
But right now, our future selves can say that about ourselves right now. We, we're still young to our 80-year-old selves. Right. Uh, these pups, they don't know anything, right? Right. So eventually, time and perspective. But this is one of the things, like, through social media and the internet, is you're able to open up yourself to other perspectives. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like an interesting thing. It's also the vulnerability that sometimes people are putting out there and gaining strength from other people's vulnerabilities. I mean, people like posting stuff about their body weight and just being so powerful with that or their body, their body shaming themselves in a weird way right. or little lessons or, or struggles. Um, like when I started talking about the struggles that I was going through with my, my second son and whether he was going to live or die and all that, and that's really deeply personal stuff. But it was only through that vulnerability that I really felt like the, the strength in the community of others of helping me back up. Right. It's the thing I speak about all the time and I can't speak enough to because it's something that I, there's a lot that the adults when I was growing up were wrong about. There's a lot that they're right about, but there's a lot that they're wrong about. And the thing is, is that they didn't know the difference. They didn't know the difference. People weren't trying to hurt me. It's just the information that they thought was true. Mm-hmm. So it's important to really become a critical thinker. And the rules of critical thinking really are that you can argue either side of the argument just as well and just as convincing and just as provocatively. And then you can have a conclusion based out of those things. If you cannot do that in an argument, I dare say your opinion is valueless and maybe keep it to your fucking self until you learn something. Because... That is such a huge, huge um, tool to have to go out with. You know, the people that are knowing uh, a little bit and the people that are knowing not a little bit and putting all the things of the knowledge and the lack of knowledge in the same pool of knowledge, you got you to gotta sort through all that stuff to be a, a young person and that's going to grow and go anywhere. And if you want to expedite your process, you, 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 you must do that. It's like having a, uh, I, I use this picture, like if I wrote, a six on this table in front of me. And I'm going to argue with you that it's a six. Right. And you're going to argue it's a nine. Right. Yeah. It's also even just consciousness. If you look at it and, and I tell you what to think about or whatnot, when, I, when you talk about directing your mind and you can only think one thought at a time, it's so important. Because even to tell you what not to do, here's the thing about how thinking doesn't help alcoholism. I tell you to not think of a red stop sign. It's the first thing that pops into your mind. It's like, I can't fight the thing by thinking about the thing. If I'm thinking about, I just don't need to drink. I just can't drink. I'm just not going to drink. I'm going to drink. All I hear is drink, 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 drink. Like, I don't hear any of the negative of it. I just hear, do this. And I become obsessed. And that's what an hmm. alcoholic mind does. It becomes obsessed with the idea. So if I'm just trying not to something, it's for sure going to happen. How, what would you follow up with that thought? Uh, then... I, I would let go of that and I go, I really want a drink. I should call Jimmy. He's having a lot of trouble with his fucking old lady right now or his dog just got hit or I'm in the world, right? And, I, and then I go out and I get into good action. I go do the next right thing and it feels like not the thing I want to do. I might want to do yeah. it. And that next right thing might be, I mean, I, I you know. So that's homework assignment for people. To point, I want to point out two things. Number one, try and have a, I don't like to say the word try. Have a conversation without saying anything. Just sit there and listen to somebody. Really listen. 
even that immediately when you have that thought that pops up of, oh my gosh, this is going to be a story about me. I can't wait to tell it. Oh wait, is there a break yet? Is there a break? Okay, here comes my story about me. When you start to immediately have that thought, be aware of it so you can suppress it. Because once that thought pops up, you are not listening anymore. You're waiting to reply. It's almost like that thought is a seed. Yeah. Just, and 15 different ideas come up yeah. out of that seed. And now you're just lost and I can't yeah. hear anything you're saying. So as it's starting to come up, silence it, put it back down and really deeply listen to that person. Agree, disagree, none of that stuff matters. Listen to them. The other thing is, when you do have a negative thought, try and follow up with a positive action. That positive action could be something as simple as texting your mom, I love you. Or washing the cups in your sink. Yeah. I mean, literally Something small. Yeah. Yeah, because there's not a gray area. You know, we live with so many grays, but it's not like the good thought and the bad thought. There's no gray in that. It's like anybody can say, this is a good, this is a, you know, this is going to bring positive fruit. This is going to make me feel crummy. Like we can, we can look at that. And I think that the beautiful thing is, is that thing of like, you know, warriors standing back to back or, or, uh, how we need other people to influence, you know, maybe where our compass is pointed right now. It's, it's that idea of the origin of species of Darwin. I, I look about and everybody wants to talk about, you know, survival of the fittest. And especially with this weird military fetishism and you weird beard fetish people and all that creepiness that's out there. It's like, there's everybody needs a slogan and a t-shirt and you're good. Right. And I think you're punk. I think that that's some shitty things to think about, to think about dominating other people for your betterment. The thing is, is that whole book that I'm sure Darwin rolls in his grave over is built on community. It's built on supporting uh, the next thing so that the best of our biology can go forward because we want the best thing. And right now it seems like we're suffering into a thing where we're like, let's, let's save all the worst stuff too and see what happens when we're seeing what happens, you know? And, and I think that that thing of when I can delve into the world of being helpful and useful to other people, that's when we get to get our shine the most. I mean, this guy told me, he says, you know, the universal law of reciprocation, Tate? And I go, I hadn't heard that. And he says, you know what reciprocation means? I go, yeah, you give me something, then I give uh, you, know, you back something. You know, It's a give and take deal. And he says, everybody thinks that you know, the, the old story is when I win the lotto, then I'm going to help people. I'm going to do this and that. And everybody's very open-hearted with the money that they don't have that they think that they're going to get for nothing, mm -hmm. right? And he says, I want you to think about that you already have everything you need to be helpful and useful to somebody. And you give that. And you give that all you can, and the universe is going to take care of you. When have you ever been left without food, without shelter, without clothing? It's like your base needs have always been met. And most people, I mean, I've had this talk with guys in prison before. It's like you're wearing the state's clothes. You're still taken care of. You're still like in America. We're, if you're homeless in America and you think it's hard, fuck off. Go to Haiti. Like people that are free there live worse than you. Like, and, and it's nice weather all the time. Like it's, it's like... There's so much to be appreciative of. And so I think the number one rule of my life that's, that's really helped me the most I got from Eddie Bravo, who's uh, one of the guys that gave me a jiu-jitsu black belt in 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. And he said, be in appreciation all the time. And you can always formulate a sense of appreciation no matter what is going on. And the more you live in appreciation, the more that vibration will call for collusion with the rest of the universe. And you're going to be lifted up in a way you never felt before. And that's the fucking truth. That's, that's real life, man. And that's, that's um, hitting the, the humility topic that I've had. And I always talk about that health is wealth. That was the other, I was trying to figure out the other 
title yeah. of the episode. It was called Health as Wealth. And how we come into the world, the physical world as we know it, you come in just naked, right? And all you want is some human contact. And at some point in time past that, you start to realize all these other fancy things that you're taught that you think, you're, you, think you need, right? Right. But really what you need is, yeah, you need to stay warm, some food, but the human contact and a purpose. You need a community. Yeah. Do you know what they did when the Indians, when you were bad? Huh? They said, bye. And you would go and walk off in the woods and you were alone. You were cast out. In all tribal societies, they would generally cast you out. They wouldn't even kill you. They would cast you out. In prison, Mm. the worst thing that they can do, and you're living with murderers, psychopaths, rapists, thieves, con men, all types of people, the worst thing that they can do is put you in solitary confinement. That's the, wor- that's the biggest torturous thing that they can do is if they take away your human contact. Because w- without us, we don't know who we are. We become lost in the vapor because we don't even have reflections of ourselves that I can see myself in yep. your eyes. I just, did, I just saw a TED Talk when they're talking about, they actually did a study of um, like what makes humans live for a long period of time. Mm. Now, granted, of course, on like car accidents and smoking and all the other stuff, they took all that stuff out. Otherwise healthy people. Yeah, yeah. Right. But it's, it's, it's the purpose. And it goes back to what you needed very, from the very beginning is a human contact and human interaction and relationships. And so to circle back into negative thought, positive action. And that positive action could be something for you, but even more powerful, you do something positive for somebody else. It's huge. Do that and don't get caught. Yeah. That, that, that was my, that, that would be my, what my teachings would be like, that's what John Lowe would tell. He said, go do something nice for somebody and don't get caught. Don't tell anybody about it. I'm like, where's the fun in that, bro? But, I mean, he would talk. He was a guy that would speak to me of spiritual rewards. And I didn't really know what that was, but I knew it when I felt it. And I knew that by going and doing those actions, I knew what I felt after that. And I was like, wow, this is cake, man. This is, this, this is where love lives, you know? Yeah, and uh, I I was looking in a lot of wrong spots for that. Do you know the value or because you you've been doing uh, podcasting a lot more than me? By the way, you, why, no, you've been, dude. No, no, no. Stay with me here. Stay with okay. me. Okay. Let me rephrase it. A lot of different, more, a lot more avenues, and maybe have reached a different audience than I have. Okay. So. By the way, the podcast, I think the first time you came on there was like uh-huh. five or six years ago. Wow. Yeah. Just in Eddie's house. Yeah. Yeah. And the, oh, man. You were in the, it was 2012, I think, the first time you came on. Six years ago. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? Yeah. Now look at podcasting. Yeah. So my point being is that you've come on and you've been vulnerable. You've been strong. You've, you've shared your struggles and, and the, the, the worst parts of your life, right. the best parts of your life. And like there's this, through this weird technology, and I've talked about how we're sitting here speaking through this weird piece of metal, and it's going down this weird, you know, rubber string of a wire thing. Right. And going into this weird little box over here. And I don't even understand how it all, but eventually it reaches other people's ears. Right. And then they process it. Yep. And then when they process the information, it's up to them. Accept it, resent it, think about it in a certain way, not think about it, or think he's you know, full of it, or maybe, wow, he's amazing. But either way, it reaches, and then it, it really, really touches some people. 
right? And so you've been out there and have some sort of like amazingly positive effect on some people's lives. And that whole ripple effect, we're talking about like a ripple effect and doing something without getting caught. Because mm-hmm. ha- maybe even having this podcast right now, this might have some amazing effect on someone's life and they might make a change in their pond. You know, it's going to have a ripple effect in their pond. And it's information that it's a good deed that we'll never know, never going to know about. Mm-hmm. And that's what's interesting to me about the, the type of podcast and the type of lessons we put out here. Yeah. And the opportunities that we have to do so. Yeah, it's great. And I, I, I think, th- and, and the reason why, like when that comes into the question is like, because it's the right thing. And I always was confused about that because I thought, man, these guys, I felt like something was being withheld from me. Almost like, oh, the way they're telling me to do it, that can't be right because this looks easier and cheesecake tastes great or whatever the, you know, the easy road was, you know? And it's like, what's nice is because when I think guys like you and I speak, when, when, when I'm in a room with Logan, when I'm like, it's like speaking in a way that it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's right, but it also yield, it's right because it'll yield you personally the greatest results. All the other problems will disappear in your life. And this, if you embark upon making other people's happiness, health, uh, whatever, like an interest of yours, and I don't mean pay somebody's bills, but I mean even just think them happy thoughts. Mm-hmm. Leave everybody with a gift of kindness and wellness Holy fuck. Even if it's just in your head, like I said earlier, what your thoughts are matter. What your words are matter. What your actions are, they matter. And, and, like, and when you live that way, I, I mean, when I started doing that, the results are unimaginable. When my life gets dark and I feel like putting a pistol in my mouth, it's when I'm not doing that stuff. It's for sure simple cause and effect. Yep, yep. Yeah, it, it's, it's, and it's, it never steers me wrong. To go be helpful to somebody else never steers me wrong. Always cures a bad mood. It cures financial problems. It cures my sense of worthlessness in the world. It cures any entropy that's going on. Like it, it cures things, man. What, what do you struggle with now? Discipline. Um, and I think discipline is the way, man. Discipline, like be, you got to be 100% responsible. And I, I, on a podcast, I, I think it was like a BJJ, <sighs> I don't know, BJJ podcast. I forget the name of it. Anyway, these dudes up in NorCal and they're rad and, and we're talking a lot and, and they said, well, what do you think that, you know, the transitions, because there's a lot of black belts in jiu-jitsu, you know, and there's a lot of black belts that are black belts in jiu-jitsu because they're fantastic at executing jiu-jitsu movements. And, um, and then if you get some reflection outside of competition, you can see how uh, jiu-jitsu colors your whole life. And, and w- what I started to look at with that was that I used to be fearful about commitment, discipline, responsibility. Those are not words that I grew up with thinking, I want to really, I want people to think I'm a disciplined guy. Like I didn't think any of that. I wanted to be away from that and please don't look at me, I'll be in the shadow. And, um, and what I found is that there's a ton of freedom in that and I started thinking about that through wrestling, that I can teach you distance, I can teach you technique, I can teach you uh, level change, I can teach you everything, how to fit in on a double leg. But I cannot teach you commitment. And we, we would yell at God. Like, you got to commit. Like, when you shoot, go. You got to drive. Commit. And what's that mean? It means that if I'm not fully present and I'm not giving all of my faculties to the endeavor of creating energy and torsion in my body that will allow me to drive through you with enough force to put you on, uh, 
not a great dominant position and me in a very advantageous position. That's what we're looking for. I can never teach you to do that without commitment. If you're not 100% responsive, and if you start going, well, my shoe wasn't, man, if you didn't come correct, that's on you, homie. You know what's funny about commitment is that I just read a book called The Hidden School, and it was um, along the path of The Peaceful Warrior, which is another book I highly recommend, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. In the story, he goes to the school in Japan. It's in the woods. Either way, they, they, they give him a test, and it's, there's a wood plank and a nail in it. <laughs> and uh, they tell him to see if he's going to go into the school that he has to use his hand to hit the nail into the wood. And so he looks at it, and without thinking, lifts his hands up and goes, wham, just slams his hand into the nail. It doesn't go in the wood. And so he thinks he fails, but the nail bent and was laying flat and his hand was not hurt. And to them, that showed that he was committed because they said that if he did not commit with full commitment into that process, he would have cut his hand and would have been injured. The nail wouldn't have bent. Hmm. It would have got in his hand and it would have failed. So it's a weird process of commitment. But that process you're talking about, like how do you really... You see that exact idea with parkour runners. Oh, when you yeah. see a guy, I mean, even a simple thing like you run, run a wall and do, do a backflip off of it. Like, if you're not committed to that, you end up on your neck, you know? And, and so that's the thing is that's what I always marvel at because you can watch uh, these parkour guys, you know, you can watch them go. You watch any of the boys at Tempest run, like you can look at, at Tempest.com. They have videos and all their Instagram. They're an amazing group. But like you watch everything that they link together of this hop to that jump to that roll. And it's like without full commitment, balls out, full throttle commitment, you're not making those, man. Simple, simple. A back tuck. And it's 100% mental. Ooh, a backflip, I've always said it's like 85% courage. You need to have like a 13-inch vertical jump to be able to do a backflip. And then go ahead and <laughs> hold the tuck, right? That's where people mess up doing a backflip. Oh, yeah. They don't. They start to see the ground, and then they're like, I need to open up. And it's like, no, 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 you got to hold it till it feels like it's too late, and then it'll be just enough. Yeah, I had, I had one of those moments where I decided mid-jump just not to commit, <laughs> and it was a good lesson. Yeah, I almost like I almost lost a lot of stuff on that moment there. Yeah, came down sideways on my neck. Yeah, freaked I mean, out my coach. You can start it in a pool and be freaked out enough, but you can also I've seen the guy knock himself out in a pool trying to do that. So be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, something simple as that takes a lot of courage. Yep. But with uh, well, that's so, excellence, right? Yep. To be able to do that, it, and so. That's why when you talk to somebody that's great at the violin, they understand completely what it's like to be a great pitcher or to be a great fighter. They understand the commitments and they understand the obstacles and they understand you know, the parts of life that seem like they're very tasty and they're soft and they feel good and how you have to cut those away from you so you can become excellent at something. Like you've given, like there's a price, there's a consequence. There has to be a consequence. And that's the thing I think about life, about that tension. Everybody wants to be stress-free. Everybody, check your cortisol levels, this and that. And, that. and everybody worries about all these goddamn metrics. And like, sure, whatever. I, I don't care a whole lot about it. But the, the whole, uh, the, the, the entirety of it has to do with your drive. And when you go out and you put yourself out, it doesn't even matter if you're wrong. You just have to be committed. If you read about, uh, is, it, is it Shackleton that, that crashed his boat in Antarctica? 
and, and, and tried to take his men. And instantly, he could have lived for six months there. They had rations. But he, he localized his men. He said, okay, guys, we got to mobilize and get all your stuff and we're going to go. And he, and he took them on a mission because he knew that if they sat there six months, they'd start killing each other. Mm-hmm. And, and Greg Jackson taught me this. And he'd say, so Tate, it doesn't even matter if the purpose is wrong. It's just you need one. Pick one and go. And he knew he had to distract these guys with a singular movement of, of survival. Otherwise, they would kill themselves. And so you think about displaced energy. It's not like anybody's powerless. It's what we're paying attention. Where do I put my intention so that I can put my power into that thing as opposed to being distracted? And I see that the most successful people, whether they're the clearest, most happy, richest, whatever, they learn how to navigate distractions and they learn what distractions that they're going to endeavor into titillating themselves with and what ones they're going to shut out. And, and now is not the time for that. And so when you say, what's the biggest trouble in my life, I go back to discipline. I'm always, you know, you're always playing in that field a little bit. And that, that field is not concrete. That's, that's always a aqueous kind of moving thing. And it depends on my inner uh, centeredness of what I endeavor to. And so I have mm-hmm. to, I have to do a lot of spot checks with myself, but um, as always, it's follow through and discipline for me because I'll have a thousand things I want to start. I meet a lot of great people. And it's like, I always think if I could just clone me, like I could get all these things done, but that not being the case, I either have to have great partners or else I have to lessen the things that I do because the thing I don't want to do that will affect my self-esteem is create a lot create a lot of beginnings and not be a steward of that to the end. I think there's, I won't say there's something evil in it, but there's something that, that corrodes my soul a little bit. If I allow those kinds of, uh, frayed ends to exist. Yeah. And you have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing, and knowing all this stuff, I mean, each one of the things, even the uh, acting and the stunt work, the, the gyms, the, the restaurants, the coffee, everything you have, like how, how do you find the strength to give all of those what they need? Well, I had a, I had, I've had great opportunities. So I built myself in a way that um, people knew they could count on me. People knew I was honest. People knew that I, you know, I'd survived. Uh, what, whatever. There's, there's, there's things that I'd, I'd shown uh, that people were privy to, I guess. And so then, do I want to fuck with this guy or not? is kind of becomes the thing, I think. And, and it was timing, I think, a lot of those things. Like I'd gotten off of Breaking Bad and I had a bunch of money in the bank and because and, I, I was on a, a run of a show for, for a while, you know, and I was like, wow, and, that, and it was great. And, you know, because a lot of times you go in as a performer and you work for one or two days and that's it. But like I was on, I don't know, four or five episodes of, of Breaking Bad at the end and, and, uh, and, and it was awesome. So I was, I was able to, not be check to check for a bit, you know? And, and then a buddy of mine, I used to run nightclubs with his brother and then he was running them in Texas. And then he's like, Hey, I've got this thing, but we got to secure this land right now. And none of us have any money. And and I'd just gotten all these checks and I was like, cool. And so then we started nightclubs. Right. And like, and my buddy Rico Taylor and his group, um, started concrete cowboy. And so, and, and I had a bunch of money that was the seed money that allowed that to happen. And so then I got to be an owner and a partner in, in that endeavor. And then that grew and then the next thing grew and those guys are great. So those like, so really like 
my homie Rico is the dude that is a, is a steward of that in a way for me. He and John and, and Dan, they, they kind of take care of all those it things. It looks really cool, by the way. And uh, thanks. I haven't, obviously, I haven't been there, but I checked them out online. They look awesome. Yeah, they're rad. I mean, in a high standard. And, and, so, and so there's that, you know, to the things that I really worry about um, are more keeping myself centered and, and, and making sure that the people around me that, that uh, my mom's okay, that like, you know, there's, there's those kinds of markers that I have for me more than anything. And so to get into uh, films, like I, I, I don't know that, that, you know, there's going to be a huge breakthrough acting role that happens or not, but I do know that I'm training for it to happen because if it does happen and I'm not ready, then bad on me. You know, and so my whole thing is like, be as prepared as you can. Like when I was telling the kid that wanted to make more money, how useful are you to your community? It's like, well, if that were the boss, how useful could I be to the boss? And think about whatever you want your boss to be and go, how do I make that boss's job easier? And so my whole job in life is to make the people around me's lives easier. So if I can do that, like that's yeah, great. That, those, you are know? All, those are all leadership um, um techniques you're being a leader and a follower mm. you're being there's a book behind me called the courageous follower you're doing uh servant leadership mm. well, a friend of mine taught me about like in, maybe in a different way but he said you know you get an old 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 timer on this side of you and you get a newcomer on this side of you and then and then you're able to be balanced as you go through life because you're gonna have to give a little way to, to really access it and feel that in your life and to feel the gratitude and the love and the kindness that you just giving your time, the most valuable thing you have to somebody. And then also to be able to learn how to receive it from somebody. Like you've got, you know, so what does that say to me? And, and like whatever, the, this, this book that you're speaking of, it, it's like how do I become a conduit? Mm-hmm. How do I become a conduit of, of positive energy, love, and goodness that's going to enrich those around me, before me, and after me? You know, how do I do that, you know? Yeah, how do you? Right. And so I've got to clear out that chamber. A lot of people think meditation seems like a waste of time and pointless. And I said, just go and try to breathe and try not to think about your bills. Try not to think about your chick. Try not to think about your kid. Try not to think about the car. Try not to think about your errands. Go in and just try to think about your breathing just for a little bit. Or go and close your eyes and try to think of a candle. Like, and, and I go into the sauna and I, and I try to do that. And I try to stay into that thing because I think there's a real emptying. Like, you know, when I say sharpen the sword when you're in your teens, 20s, into your early 30s, like that's what you should be doing, man. Because I know if I empty myself out and I have all those skills available to me, I am not empty. That's when I got this. Right? I'm a clear vessel that also has all these attributes. And depending where I put my focus next, now I'm clear and concise after I've emptied myself. Fucking look out, man. And, and, and I try to recenter like that every day uh, at a couple touchstones in the day. I've uh, so far today recommended meditation to two different people for different reasons. Same reason, but for different purposes. And also recently recommended to a family member who's struggling with alcoholism. Mm. Because the emotional balance there and the stress is not in control. And it freaks out about every little stressor that comes along, which eventually leads to to drinking. Mm -hmm. And so you have to realize that you can't stop... You can't stop the chaos. You can't stop the stress. But you can learn perspective and stillness to realize that it's not very big. Maybe you can. But those voices get so loud. So what would happen for me when I would stop drinking? And I, like I said, I tried for a long time. Is that, you know, when you drink, you cause problems in your life. 
right? And those voices of those problems get loud. And sometimes your own critic gets loud, right? That's one of the biggest problems is that your critic gets loud. And, and so if I'm sober long enough, those voices get louder and louder and louder. And then eventually the only cure for that voice is to drink. And then I start this circle, right? Because that causes its own voices. Yep. And so I can't even get out of the cacophony of my own mind to be able to get centered enough to do anything. And, and um, I think that being restored is what has to happen first. Like I, I had to be hospitalized to get separated from alcohol. And, uh, and, and somebody was checking my vitals a lot. Like, it was, like some people are like that. Some people can just stop and that's like, but however that is, that's a serious, that can be a very serious thing. Um, the next thing is, is like, is, is, is getting my feet under you and going, do I have any answers left? You got, you got good answers about how to run your life? Good, man. You go run those. We'll be here when you're done. So there's this thing of brokenness that if you still got good ideas about your life, your ego is going to demand that you take it and you're going to feel bad mm -hmm. if you didn't do it. You're going to feel like you were remiss. Like you might get sober a little bit and be like, well, maybe if I only drank fruit coolers, it would be okay. Or whatever. if you haven't tried that, man, you should get, you should get ahead of yourself That's and try it. That's a little that. devil being tricky. Try all that stuff. I say try to kill yourself with it. Get it until you're so sick of it. Everybody wants to talk about shame-based shit, you're fat shaming, this and that. Man, if you're fat, you're fucking fat, and you're in com you are in people's way. You're in the airplane. You're bothering people. You're all, you hate yourself. You can't wear the shit you want. Yeah, man, until I was ashamed enough, I wasn't, shaming, I wasn't changing a goddamn thing. I'm not going to change it. And so the same thing, until I'm disgusted enough with my own behavior and I'm mm. in a futile, frustrated point where I go, how come I cannot stop taking this beverage and pouring it down my throat? Until I'm in a place where I hate drinking, I'm drinking against my will, there's no help for me, man. There's no help for me. But then mm. when I do have that peace, man, I'm listening like only the dying listen. I'm listening earnestly, man. And I'm going, I'll follow whatever. And until somebody gets to that point, there's not much you can do for them. Because no matter how much somebody's drinking, yep. if they don't think they have a problem, they don't. And you've talked before about, um, for a lot of different aspects in your life, about the, the theory about, you know, that death is right behind you. Yeah. And how does that make you, how does that affect your decisions and, and make you appreciate now? I think I've got a twofold answer. And one is uh, the thing that uh, Jardine says a lot about seek death. And it's like in everything that you're doing, put all of your soul into that thing. That's why fuck a, a small talk. These inconsequential, like, man, make it meaningful when you're with your Uber driver. Learn about who that person, like make your life mean something, man. And so I think about that, about like, I don't want to have, I don't, I don't want to have like a skim milk existence, man. I want it thick and rich and fatty, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I think there's that aspect about what are you getting out of whatever you're doing. The second part of that that dovetails that is being committed, you know. And if you don't have full commitment, then how how can you get past anything? And I think that those two work just beautifully together. They can join at, at a place where you can get function and performance out of out of your life. Do you have any um, thoughts about having kids? Yeah, sometimes. I've got a daughter that's 21. And uh, she was adopted when she was, she ended up getting adopted when she was nine months old. Her mother was married to a dude when she was, when Olivia was six months old, I think, something like that. They, and, and so there was, a, there was a, 
and I was just out of a, a federal institution, uh, and I thought, I, I don't know how to do any of this. And she's like, well, I'm going to do this, and we're going here anyway. Uh, we've been recently um, reintroduced to each other. I, I met her when she was 11, and then, uh, and then everybody got mad, and then I met her again when she was like 17. And so we, we've had this relationship back and forth, but um, I, I look at that and I think uh, it's a sadness about things missed and all that and whatever. There's, there, you know, that's the thing that it just doesn't ever really sit right, and it's, I don't really know how to talk about it. And, and, I, and, I, and I think about having kids in some ways, and then I think about there's a real, uh, that's a beautiful experience, and then at the same time that it's, it's, a, it's a horrific and encumbrance that I don't know that I'm fit to be the one to do that. I, my whole life would change. I know that, that all these other things would die away because I would want to be good at that. Right. And so I would really have to, I would, like right now I live, you know, in New Mexico or I live in, in, in LA and all parts in between. And it's like, and there's nothing stable. Like I, I have trouble keeping bamboo plants alive. Um, <laughs> but I do think, I think about that, that like that could come to pass in the next four or five years or something like that. I, I think, I think about that, but then I think, you know what? I really like German shepherds too. Maybe I just get a dog. I don't know. And then I think about like, is there a point? Like, where are we going with this? It's not a happy, shiny world, man. This motherfucker is going off a cliff. Like, and I don't care if it's Hillary. I don't care if it's Donald Trump. I don't care what it is. It's people. We are so dumb as a whole union that I almost, I can't wait to die. I, I can't wait to see what the next trip is like. Cause we're not doing this one well. I think biology takes care of itself. I think the earth takes care of itself. I think we're not dissimilar. I think people are idiots when they see an oil spill and they think that they're not different from the fish or the ducks covered in oil. That is your food. That is your air. That is your water. And we are dying. And we don't think about it as if we're dying. Mm -hmm. So yeah, seek death. See it all around you. No, it's coming right tomorrow. How do you want to curate this thing? Because there's going to become a day when you're standing with your kid at the water and he's going to go, hey, dad, what was it like to be able to swim? That's well, right here. So we were talking before the show, and I showed you the coin, mm -hmm. you know, memento mori, remember that, that remembering death and what you're going to do with that. So there is that thought, and it's kind of, I don't, I don't label it, it's a thought about what is the point. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, we're all on this floating spaceship rock, however you want to look about it, look at it, especially if you look at it from outer space, right? Look mm -hmm. down. We're all like insignificant ants that you can't even see. And over time, we're going to be gone. Over time, the planet's gone. So if you look at it that way, nothing really matters. But at the same time, everything matters because you're given this opportunity and it's up to you to choose. And who knows if this is just the well, seed. Yeah, right? Yeah, who knows? We might be an atom inside some giant's stomach. Well, and, and this might be the seed of our consciousness mm -hmm. of like, here's your beginning point. And whatever that doorway to death is, that when you walk over that threshold, perhaps there is the thing where you've taken the aggregate of all your experiences, feelings, and growth, and you go to the next thing where the stakes are even higher, or something like that, until you learn enough to play it loose and be lovely through life. Like, I think there's, all, there's, there's a lot of lessons in that. You know? I can't wait one day when everything that you've done like completely make sense to you hmm. and potentially holding like a Tate junior. It's interesting. 
That that'd be an interesting uh, idea. No, it's it's. I mean, I, I don't want to spend. Too I already much time know where I'd be. I'd be in the woods, and there'd be a big fire going, and there'd be a lot of trees around, and maybe a river or lake, log cabin. No, I, you know, I I. So we're in L.A. right now, and I'm not a fan of L.A. It's like, not the right way to live, you guys. It's there's concrete everywhere, <laughs> suffocating the earth. It's a trip. Like there's too many people. I thought even yesterday I was talking to Ryan, and and I said, man, even without all the phones, even without all the electricity. Just to be around 20 million people's energies, that can't be good for you. That's not how we're supposed to do this. Yeah, there's noise. Let alone every cell phone, everything that's buzzing through our body that we're not aware of, of how it's changing us. I almost wonder if that's why, like, culturally we've had, like, this infatuation with the, the, the military thing or, or beards or, you know... People are trying to do anything that colors outside the lines. And they're like, my life is so deep inside the lines. My life tastes so much like shitty skim milk that I'm just looking for anybody that says that they're doing something wild, even regardless, you know? Yeah, but I think we, I think we at least here, because we can't talk about the people that are living where they're, they're supposed to be living, listening. Mm-hmm. But li- li- living in an area where you, you know when you go in the woods or you go hiking and you have that such a good feeling? I think it's because we miss it. There's something in us that misses that. And we come I back to the that, city. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's why I've always been back and forth. Rogan used to go, "Why do you, why, why are you between, why do you go back to New Mexico all the time?" And I was like, "Man, just to be able to breathe, you know, just like." And I don't think he really got that. And then he moved to Boulder for a minute. He goes, "Oh, that's different. That's it's a different air. Dude, time moves differently, right?" Yeah, it's all different. There's this weird, like, sort of hyper odd pressure put on people here. An example. Even if you don't have to be anywhere on time, people rush. Mm-hmm. Ah, adding stress in the car, adding stress if someone cuts them off, or adding trying to get to the light. Why? Because it's like a video game. It's, yeah, right. right. This, but I'm saying s- slow down, appreciate what you have, look around. You might see a cool sunset or a cool cloud that formed or just appreciate the Are moment. You, you're on time all the time, right? Um, I don't You're know. not a guy that's running late. No, you know I don't like that feeling. Right. So, I do. You, <laughs> and I like, uh, and I think what it is is like it's almost like it's like a it's like a like an aggregated like it's like a it's like a, a flow state that can occur because now time now there's a consequence there's lateness and there's danger inherent in you getting from A to B and traversing this ground because there's all the, and so now it's on and now you have to go and and like that it, it awakens neurochemicals in me that is it's like a facsimile of being in a fight or being in to be in like whew, all right like yeah so you like it's it's tension it's not it's right action. i don't like being late i don't ever like being late for somebody but i like creating that space in me it's a, it, so you like tension and action and being busy, knowing all this stuff. When are you still? Uh, all the time. I have to. I have to. I have to cheat onto the side of action and going because um, I relax hard. Like I, I, I try to do stuff like make sure that you sleep more than six and a half hours, at, like for for the whole stretch through. You know, or or like I've got different goals. I got different metrics that I go. You know, my day is not like. I don't have a daily planner that's like meet with this guy at 10 and then do this at nine 30. And the, like, I don't, I don't do that, but I go, okay, uh, you're going to want to do four things tomorrow. You're going to want to, 
um, meditate in the morning. You're going to want to say a prayer of intention. You're going to want to have had a meal and you're going to want to work out. And then you have to go and practice uh, stand up at night or something. And I'll go, and whatever happens in between then, yeah, I'll get the mail, I'll get groceries. I'll, like I'll do all the other stuff. But like I have these little markers that seem like that's a nothing thing, but like it's like uh, it's little touch points for me to kind of rebalance. Do you wake up early? Uh, depends what I'm doing. Like I was up um, at four a bunch this week because I was working on NCIS and we just had to get to Paramount by that time. And then, um, but it just depends. It's all, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes my schedule is all night. It's like, so I don't really have a continuity in my life as far as like my life, my goal, my, 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 my thing, uh, struggle or whatever with it is how do you mimic your life, whether you're in a hotel in Atlanta or whether you're in Columbia or whether you're house in Santa Fe or wherever you are, how do you, how, and so I just had to have those little touch points, you know, my, my stuff had to be different because it wasn't like, I'm going to sit at my table because my table doesn't exist in Atlanta or what, whatever the thing is. And so, um, I just made different things to kind of structure my day. And to make sure that I was satisfying the people in my day, if there was somebody else that I, that I did them well, you know, that like the guy that hired me is like, I couldn't have gotten a better guy for that or something like that. You know, that I've merited the position and that I've made the people, um, satisfied that, that I was the guy, you know, I, I just, I don't want to let anybody down. And that is a big component of being having a really good, strong, solid team, right? It can be. Not yeah. necessarily a team. You could, the team could be the ability that you have, the people that you've let into your life. Sure. But even like the teams in like, if you're on a film or if you're, you know, I used to walk into energies and I'd be like, these guys are just contrary to each other and it's just going to be this kind of a day or whatever. Or you walk into that and you go, well, Maybe I could bring harmony to the discord that's here, whether it's by bringing levity, by bringing a centered focus, because a lot of people, if there's four different leaders, they all have different, like whatever it is, but you can artfully find a way how to dictate the position you're in probably if you're a little bit creative, you know? And so, and that, and that's where you add, you know, people want value in life. It's like, wow, man, I always feel calmer on that guy. Man, that's something. It's something you can't really put a finger on. It's not on a resume, but it matters. No, you have, and I think you're aware of this, but I want to point it out. But you are a leader to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that can be, you know, walking around with that. And I know most people, I'm assuming, don't necessarily feel like, oh, people look up to me. I'm a leader. It's mm-hmm. not like a, it's actually almost like in a way, um, maybe embarrassing isn't the right word, but it's not like it's not like you've gone out and be like, I'm going to be a leader for people. Right. You just see a need and you go, we need to expedite this. Let's do this. Yeah. 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 But, but having that is, and one thing like for me that even if when I'm not around you or the conversations we've had in the past or sometimes when I see some of your social media stuff, it totally like, resets me it, it gives me an, uh, a renewed sense of humility especially if i'm starting to feel tough or something you know i'm like right. i will take it just you know <laughs> you know but it's still like a, it's a perspective thing right and i think that's a, a powerful thing and one i'm glad it's you and i'm glad it's you coming from where you've come from mm. 
because again we're talking about perspective right right and the ability to relate and have empathy for people yeah it takes a breadth of life right it takes a scope of, i hang out with this one dude his name harrison and harrison sudborough and harrison's a world war ii vet he was blown up on the shores of italy and he's uh you know, he spent time in a Syrian prison. He accidentally killed a guy that was a colonel in the Syrian army and all this. Like, he's had a hell of a life. And he moved to Santa Fe uh, in 1970 or something, like in the early 70s, like when he was 50 or something, when I'm just being born, you know. And, uh, and he's remarkable. And, and it's, it, it, it's, it's mattered how he's coursed his whole life, right? And... At the end of it all, here he is, right? And, and, and the thing is, is like the more he talks about his internal self, and I, I never really heard a guy like that, but he said he first got hip to it when he got blown up uh, and he was left for dead on the shores of this place in Italy with the retreating Axis armies and the whole deal. Um, and he said, so when I was recovering and we're getting ready to storm Tokyo, we're, on our, we're getting boated up to go to Japan, um, when the atom bomb saved my life is how he articulates it, which I'd never heard anybody say that about the bomb. Wow. Crazy. And then I talked to four other vets since then in the last year. They all said the same thing. They're like, they're like, I was on a boat. We were about to, like, and he said, I said, and it was going to be bad. He says, hundreds of thousands of us were going to die trying to get onto the shore of Japan. Wow, so which like, is remarkable. It's a good thing. Hundreds of thousands died because hundreds of thousands were going to die. Right. I mean, it's a trip, right? And does it end? Or does it get drug out with mm. more hundreds? Of, you know, I, the, any, at any rate, it's pretty remarkable, this internal self thing to get yep. hip to because you're forced to, right? And how valuable that is for the mind. And I think that that's a lot of the strength of his mind right now and why he's able to be such a viable 92, 93-year-old. His birthday is next month, this month. Um, but I look at that and I go, how do I carry myself to not only have physical acumen at that time, but also a, a mental acuity and, and this breadth. So he has a breadth of looking at history of 90 goddamn years, man. And so when you look at things museum. through that, when you're looking at leaders and that leader is, is 22, well, maybe if everybody's a 17-year-old, that's a good leader. Mm -hmm. But I heard Steve Maxwell talking about it once, and he's talking about trainers, and he goes, man, I don't know, he's 65 or whatever he is, and he's a kettlebell genius and a jiu-jitsu black belt and all this. He says, unless you're like over 40 and you had a gang of injuries, I'm not trying to hear you. You don't have any understanding as a trainer. You have no merit to me. And I thought, man, there's some real truth in that. You know, there's, because there's a lot of things that you can account for as a 60-year-old athlete that you cannot account for as a 20-year-old athlete. You know, you, you, you've been through things that have retarded your career or ended your career that didn't really you know what i mean you've been yep. through all those fears and obstacles and that's something and i and i look at a 90 years of of that that breadth of mind and the comfort you can kind of look like is it as bad as we've ever been is it not like i only have my limited perspective mm -hmm. so it's super important that i look towards the guy that has the experience you know because there's so many leaders that are out there that don't merit the position and so i look at I look at really the, the totality of the life and go, you know, that's a person that knows. And there's people that know, and it's remarkable. And if you follow them, what you'll gain from that is a tremendous asset to your whole life. And if you follow the wrong guy, 
you're just going to be spinning your wheels. Yep. I mean, if you're, if you're popular and your whole life is like that you got yourself a bench press or something, real proud of you, nerd. Maybe you want to expand on that a little bit. But then if your acolytes are also the guys that are, we're the good bench presser guys. And, and it's like, what are you chasing here, man? What are you chasing? Because that ain't a life, bro. That's not a life that you're chasing. You're chasing likes. You know, follow a real goddamn leader if you're going to look to leaders or be one if there's not one in your area and be that, you know, like a lot of times in my life, I would go, who would be the you that you would look up to if he was five years or 10 years older than you? And go ahead and look at yourself, Tate. In five years, who's the you that you'd like to be that you would follow? Be him now. There's no time because you're dead already. Who, um, who are some people that you would recommend? Two questions like, we're talking social media because okay. we have the perspective. That's huge. It's a part of our life. Right. We can't so, avoid who, it. who would you, if people are looking for a perspective and maybe some leadership, who would you recommend for people to follow? And is there any books that come off the top of your head that you would recommend? Um, I would follow Logan Gelbrich uh, at Functional Coach and at Deuce Gym. I would read every one of his blogs. Um, uh, Ryan Moody is a tremendous mind. Um, and uh, I would, I would, like he 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 digs into great ideas. You know, Aubrey Marcus is a good buddy of mine, and and he aggregates some beautiful material uh, about consciousness. I think it, you know, of course, if you follow Joe Rogan's podcast, he's got like you look at Jordan Peterson or you look at some of these guys that he's on there. Like uh, Brett Weinstein is like is it's amazing the the minds that have come up. You know, when I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson, I was like. I'm like, Joe, this is like a real, real thing, you know, it's it, but it's a trip. It's how media is now. Um, and, it, it, and I would, what I would actually say though, is like, you know, these aren't, it's not like I'm going to follow Wayne Gretzky when I'm a little kid and Wayne Gretzky mattered a lot to me, but there wasn't a time when Wayne Gretzky is putting out blog posts either. But like, you know, I learned lessons from watching guys. I learned lessons from my, uh, my grandma's husband she outlived three husbands so that's why i'm pausing but his name was jim thornton and jim was a uh like a molecular scientist for oil companies i think something like that and I, what i know about jim is he is a fantastic guy he's really tall and he emigrated from ireland on a boat when he was 13 with no family and he landed on the shores uh, of the east coast and eventually Yale put him through school on a, on a scholarship. And when he died and we're going over, you know, trying to sort my grandma out, uh, what I'd found is that Jim had given his house, which was probably, I don't know, if it was a, a million-dollar house or whatever it was in Arizona, as soon as my grandma was finished living there, as soon as mm -hmm. she died, that house was going to go to Yale University to pay them for the life that he was afforded. Wow. It's not necessary. Nobody knows. Nobody's expecting but he needed to do that because that was right. Like that's a leader that I that I, that I fought. That's a guy that shaped me. I, I mentioned Wayne Gretzky because Wayne Gretzky. There's a great story about him that is. He's being interviewed, and the guy says, "How are you? How are you the great one? They call you the great one, the most scoringest guy of all time, the most points in the NHL." And uh, he says, "Well, I'm not super fast. I'm not the fastest guy, so it's not like my agility." And he says, and I'm not the biggest guy. I'm smaller than most other guys, even in my positions. Um, and I don't have a good shot. And he says, well, what do you attribute all your success to? And he says, 
I pay attention and I, I can see where the puck's going to be. And then I put myself in a position to score. And that's what life is, right? And I never spent time with Wayne Gretzky or talked to him, but he mattered. That mattered to me, what he said. And, and, I, and I think, you know, be the leader where you are. And what a leader is is selfless. And you're helping the people around you. And there's always somebody around you you can be a leader to. And the thing isn't maybe to find a leader so much, but the thing is to find out how you can be a leader, man, because the world needs you. And, and I think it's important. And I think that's maybe the number one important thing. Yeah, and, and there's an art form to it. And there is an art form it's, to it. You're not, yes, it's like a, you know, they say, is leader, are you born being a leader? But no, you can learn. You can Certainly. prove that skill for sure. I think a lot of it is, has to do with empathy, you know? Yep. Dude, humility. <clears throat> you talk to the world's like the best leaders, right? They always tell you what is like one of the number one traits is humility. Mm. And you know what they don't talk about? How shitty the other guy is. That's never on their. That's never on the menu. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Yep. Nope. You know. I, I had a guy that's a body worker, and he's doing this brand new body work stuff or whatever, and he was telling me how. You know, everybody, everybody misses the mark or whatever and, and, and naming people and all that. And I'm like, you know, it's, I think what you do is awesome and it's unnecessary to only degrade your brand to say anything about anybody else that is also in the space. Like it's like, and so I think that's the thing is that, and I don't think that's because leaders are naturally nice people generally. I think that it's, I think empathy and being nice is different. And, and, but I do think that it's like it doesn't serve them. It doesn't serve the higher purpose of making them better. So why am I thinking about how shitty is somebody? Like it, just, it doesn't come up. And uh, I, I think there's so many great books out there as far as you know, learning that. But I think just learning how to curate yourself, learning how to leave a light footprint um, that won't damage anybody coming behind you and, uh, and to inspire inspire other people's light enough that they remember you. And maybe that's it. Yep. Maybe that's it. Um, a couple other topics just before we wrap up here is, hey, do you have a, f so I didn't really get into it. And I'm sure everybody knows. If not, you'll read it in the uh, little write-up I do for the episode. Okay. But Tate has been on a lot of shows, a lot of really cool movies. And I guarantee you, everyone that's listening, if you've watched the light and sound come from some television set, or theater, you've seen Tate. You might not even realize it until now, but he's been in a lot of I, stuff. I'm never a character that I notice that I would notice. So I always trip out when people are like, "Dude, I saw you in Code Black" or whatever. I'm yeah. like, I I would never notice that character that is fodder or whatever. But it, you know, and then that's changed. It's cool to see it get different. But yeah, it's been it's been a ride. Yeah, okay. I've been, I've been out there. I've been out but there. It's like, ah, stuff. okay, The Rock's cool, but yeah, there's Tate. You know, right. Um, you know what? You know what? Here's a cool lesson from that. Like, what do I learn? Is situationally things that are difficult. How, what's difficult? Leveling up, leveling up. And I was on I was on a movie set of Avengers, and we were simulating the scene where the aliens are coming through and they're blowing up New York City streets, and there's cars blowing up and cars. That, I mean, for real, flipping. 15 feet in the air, doing double turns, landing over here, knowing where you're... And so you're threading a needle of you running while cars are... like. So you need to know where the blasts are. Like, it's a thing, you know? Yep. Anyway, that was the scene, but I'm sitting there in, in the downtime, and I'm looking, and I'm looking at heroes. I'm looking at, you know... Uh, I'm looking at Tad Griffin. I'm looking at Freddie Heiss, who's like he was in, in, in the Long Riders. Freddie killed himself twice in the Long Riders. He was the guy shooting, 
Carradine off the horse, and he was Carradine riding into town. He shot himself, right? <laughs> he, anyway, these guys that are legends to me in, in film, Heidi Moneymaker, who, who doubles Black Widow. Like, there's Tunaway, who doubles Dwayne. There's, there's, and I'm just like, wow. And they're all circled up. And I'm like, man, I sure would like to be in that circle. And then I'm like, I wonder what I would say if I go. And I felt like I was a little kid going at a new school going, Man, there's all those little boys. I wonder what they're talking about. I wonder who I could be and to go over and help. And maybe if I had the right shoes, look at the shoes he's got on. Maybe if I had those shoes, maybe. And and then I go over and I go, hey, uh, I'm I'm Tate. Uh, I'm going to get those shoes or whatever or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And what happens? Invariably, that group of little boys looks at me like, you're weird. Because I'm inauthentic. Right, I go over there, and I'm thinking about what they're thinking about, what maybe I could be interesting to them as. Mm-hmm. And I, all they they don't know all that; they just know he's weird. And so, I look at that, and it's not until later I go, "It ain't ever about the shoes. Mm-mm. It's never about the shoes." And then I'm looking at this group, and I'm like, "It goes back to all your learning, Tate. Be helpful. Where can you be a service? That's the fucking law. Where can you be helpful?" And then you go over and it's as easy as, hey, man, I'm going to get some water. Does anybody want to, uh, can I get anything for anybody? It's like, be useful. Be useful right where you are, man. It'll calm your nerves. It'll set you free. It'll help the world. It'll show other people that it's okay to be helpful. Like, that's the thing. Is like when you're an early adopter of kindness, man, you're showing everybody else that kindness is available, that that's on the table. Because everybody else is over there thinking just defensiveness, how I can get for me. You might take something I have. Everybody's in these weird kind of uh, palaces that they built to keep themselves safe from an invisible foe that might not exist. Everyone has this. One, everyone's going through a struggle regardless of who they are or what circle they're on or what level they're on, right? Mm -hmm. Also, there's always that human connection. Mm. And this is something that... And it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of knowing yourself is that we're all going through like this tremendous war within our own heads at all times, regardless of who they are. And having that, if you know that about other people, that's where like you, that ability to reach out and help that person, regardless of where pedestal you put them on. Mm-hmm. It's such like a, it's like a, it's like a superpower. Yeah. And what you pay attention to grows, you know, and, and that's, that's a rule everywhere. If I pay attention to the bamboo flower, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow. It's going to live. If I don't, and I pay attention to like, oh, God, I'm feeling fat, I'll probably just get fatter and the bamboo will die. You know, it's like yeah. what you pay attention to is going to get bigger. And that's the thing, too, in people. You can use that as a hack for, with an adversarial person that seems to be just angry for whatever. But if you pick something that is kind in that, if you can find that goodness and you can focus on that and talk about that and speak to that and you can honor them, you let that person off the hook from being a prick too Mm -hmm. and they can accept their own kindness and they're going to be baffled that like anybody noticed. Yes. I always say like the poster behind me, hate doesn't drive out hate. Only love can do it. Right. Um, Right. Do you have a favorite? I don't want to say a favorite. What's been the most fun or most memorable uh, death on film you've had? Now you and for the listeners, you've been killed by oh, man. Denzel, Batman, John Wick. Uh, yeah, uh, I, a big old. You've killed yourself with a big old I boulder on West, I did a, West, uh, yeah. uh, West World. 
That was out of, I had to stop that consciousness. That was out of altruism for the rest of the world. That was a machine knowing the threat of what machines could be and going, I'm not appropriate and trying to end its consciousness. Yeah, so weird. Westworld's an interesting thing. To, uh, that was a good one. Just now in Jumanji, I got killed uh, by by. Hey, a, spoiler alert! By a, by a, <laughs> it was it's pretty great. And it was gonna be if you saw it. There's a scorpion that that kills me, but it was gonna be uh, like a centipede that like crawled out of his ear and into mine. Or this, it's, it was it was fun, man. That was a great time. So I thought I my personal. When you were in the accountant, we uh-huh. kind of, that was cool. Yeah. Um, a propeller in Fast 8. Michelle Rodriguez yes. kicked me off the edge. That was, that was, that was pretty solid. Uh, Head, headshot and John Wick guns. was good. John Wick was good. Oh, yeah. The headshot. Okay. So the John Wick one was cool because... The he, headshot he, and two guns was hard because there was a bunch of steers that were running in. And they're, they're little. Ant- I mean, they look big, but they're like... They're not high. They're waist high. The horns are waist high, right? And so we're going through a corral and it's a circular corral that runs to like a chute that's very narrow. And so it all consolidates and all these cattle come running in and I'm after Wahlberg and I go to shoot as all these cattle are coming in. And then a guy shoots me in the back of the head and I go down. But as I'm going down, these animals are flooding in and I'm falling into spears basically. And I had no idea how it was going to go. We hadn't worked with it. We're just shooting it. Let's go. And then for sure, I'm going to get kicked in the head by a hoof when I go down. Like, and at one point, I'm falling. I'm dead. I'm falling, and I have to twist to avoid the horn. And but if they notice you, and you're falling down or you're on the ground, they treat you like you're a bad fart. Like they can't avoid you enough. <laughs> they they create it creates an aura around you yeah. where they're like, oh my god, human down. And they just gave me space and went right. It was beautiful. So that was, that was like a, a, a harder one. John Wick, yanked by the beard, yeah. temple shot. Yeah, yeah, double tap in the back of the head. Do you, like all, every, and then Keith got killed right after that, two moments later. Ooh, maybe the best thing was when I killed the dinosaur in, in Jurassic World. Oh, the little That flying, was pretty good. That was so, you're in a helicopter cruising, and then you just shoot a pterodactyl for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a GMO. <laughs> I was saving the world. That's a GMO dinosaur. And yeah, God knows where that could have gone. That was pretty funny. The best show I ever did was a little show called Jesse on the Disney Channel. And I worked for a friend of mine, and it was uh, it was me and a, a couple of buddies that I really looked up to and still do in the, in the, in the stunt world. And, and we are chasing these little kids around, and we were, it was like an hour-long show. Normally, the show's a half hour. But that's not the best part. The best part was I went back to Michigan after I did that, and I see friends I hadn't seen in a long time, and they've got these kids that now are six or eight or whatever, and those kids are just looking. And we're ta- I'm talking to their parents. And then they, the parents look at the kids and they go, go ahead, you can ask them. They're like, were you and Jesse? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. They're like, oh, I knew, oh my. And the excitement for children to, is just like, it, it's beyond, man. It's like when you get like an acceptance of like you're in the cool kids club of an eight-year-old, Man, you feel like a made dude. You're like, that's powerful. I, did the mafia just accept me into the family, like, or what? Like, this is <laughs> incredible, dude. I, but I, I really think you, you might not notice it, or maybe you do. At some point, you're going about your day. You're probably getting that reaction out of some, even some hardcore looking dudes. But they're just, they want to keep it looks, in. That always looks like you yeah. want to fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. They got to talk. They don't know what to, how to. And deal I didn't with know that. I had to. I had to change. I had to change everything. They, t- they a little bit of fame changed me. 
because instead of walking around the world like maybe everybody's against me, I had to go, no, maybe everybody's for you. Maybe everybody's on your side, Tate. And so then those dudes, when they're like, because dudes, I mean, we don't, if you're a dude out there, listen, we don't, we don't look cool when we're at the grocery store or in line for gas. We look like, we look like we're about ready to, you're ready to fight somebody. And I guess as a dude, you kind of are always maybe on tilt a little bit. But the thing is, as soon as I go, hey, man, what's going on? How are you? And a big smile. They go, hey, dude, did I see you? Invariably, it's something like that. Or people are just waiting for me to smile. I love, I, I love that as a practice. I started that, I don't know, 10 years ago of just whenever you see anybody, just being like, hey, how, give them a real warm hello that you really mean. And oh my God, yeah, you it changes them. their fucking face, yeah. man. Yep. Yeah, and it's and I do that for myself selfishly like, because I like to see a happier face. Yeah, they're like, "Thank you." I was nervous and vulnerable. I didn't know what to do, yeah. so I showed this tough guy thing. Yeah, let it be free, man. I, I noticed that. Like, I was talking to uh, to Joe about it, and I was like, "It was the first time I was on the Ultimate Fighter, and I'm on TV, and then I'm in San Diego, and I'm just walking down the street, and I walk by a dude, and then I hear, "Hey," and he's like, "I go, yeah," and he goes, "You were in my house last night." And I was like, totally not me. And then he's like, you know, you were on TV. Was that you? And I go, oh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. And then later that day, I, I go and I'm sitting getting lunch. And uh, somebody touches my face. They come up and they just touch, touch my face. And I was like, they're like, were, were you on TV? And they touch my face as they're asking me if I'm on TV. And I go, yeah. I go, and you're touching my face. Isn't that weird to you? And then I go, do you just touch people? Well, no, I just thought like, because I saw, I was like, all right, cool. And I told Joe about it later that I was like, what's going on, man? And he goes, dude, they're in their underwear eating a fucking Happy Meal watching you. It's an intimate thing. You're in their living room with them in an intimate setting. They know you and you don't know them. And it's a weird magic trick and get used to it. That's the way the life image is. of them in their underwear at the Happy Meal. Is <laughs> it's a trip. Yeah, it's a yeah, trip. Yeah. But that's also like the it's really cool because you have like, you know, you're big. You got the beard going. Uh tattoos the actual legitimate fighting ability right right yeah you have all the stuff that could smash everybody <sighs> but it's the big the vulnerable stuff in you and your empathy and is what gives you the strength and the ability to connect with everyone which i think is really really cool it's and what, i'm also very proud of you it's what matters right i think that's the thing what turns you on conversation yeah you know, oh. when we can get through the barriers to know each other, because it's hard, man. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard to get through the barriers to be able to talk to somebody. It's tough, man. But the reward is great. It's just like that thing about doing something nice for somebody and not getting caught. I had no idea about the spiritual rewards that were abundant in life everywhere through conversations, through acts of goodness. Like it's, it's just everywhere and, it, and it's accessible for everybody. You, you, you want to make a difference in somebody's life? Do you, do you go somewhere every week? And if you don't, you're fucking up because you should be consistent a few different places in your life every week. People, sh different genres of your life should be counting on you to be yep. there every week. And if you just meet somebody in one of those genres and you remember that person's name the next week, you've done that person a kindness that they'll remember for fucking ever, man. Because you just said to that person, you matter enough to me that I remember you. And that's huge, man. And I love, I just went to this Ram Das thing with my mom a little while ago. And uh, he has this saying that says, we're all just walking each other home. 
And when I can get on board with that and go, man, everybody's on your side and we're just all, we're just all trying to get to the end of this thing that is the new beginning of the next thing. And, and how can I help everybody meet that goal in a more artful, kindly way? What do you think? Just a couple more questions. What do you think your mom is most proud of in you? God, I don't know. Hey, I'll ask her. Do this for me. Yeah. Ask her. Get to ask her those type of questions because, like we talked about before, you never know when the, the ability to ask your mom a question isn't there anymore. Sure. That's why we started traveling. I went to Columbia a couple years ago, and, and, I, I, and there's a great art community there. It's a beautiful place in Bogota. Um, but I thought she doesn't have a whole lot. Who knows when she's healthy? She's healthy now. Like, we got to start traveling right now. And I, I started doing that off a friend's funeral, uh, a friend of uh, a friend's father's funeral. And, and I just, there's, there's people that mattered in my life, right? To me being breathing right here, right now. And, um, and I made it my business then, and this is, you know, five or six years ago now to, to make my way to those people and express my gratitude to those people, uh, that it mattered, man, that it impacted the life. And you started this conversation talking about what a good man is, you know? And, uh, that guy, John Lowe, that helped me so much early on in my life. And he gave me the only thing he had that was invaluable, which was his time. And he gave me a lot of it. Um, and he, he altered the course of my life. He saved my life in a lot of ways. And then he left. I didn't see him since, I don't know, I was a couple years sober and, and he was out of my life and he was, and I, and we were just displaced and, and never saw him again. And, uh, and, uh, maybe like 17 years later, I started looking for him cause I wanted to thank him and cause it mattered. And, uh, I found his wife and, and she called me when I was on the set of John Wick and I was able to take a call and, uh, she said, you missed him. You know, John, John, uh, died of liver failure, uh, last February and it was like October and, and he was in line for a liver and he gave his liver up. And, uh, anyway, it, it, it spoke to the thing. A guy asked me what success was. And I started thinking about guys like John and French and Jim and, uh, my dad, all these people. And I thought, what would it be like if, uh, what would be success for you? And if all those guys thought that all the time that they spent with me wasn't a waste, you know, that those guys were like, you know what? Fuck, he did okay. And, and that's all I wanted with John, you know? And, and, and since then, I've just been like, it mattered, man. It all mattered. And all those kindnesses, there was nothing on the other side of that that would have been appreciating their life more that, that, that was going to make them richer or happier or anything by helping me. There was not, there, I'd have been a better guy to ignore. And it fucking made all the difference that they didn't. Well, I want you to know that I am certainly 100% grateful for you. Thanks, man. And, uh, and I'm grateful for the younger you as well. Yeah. And I, I wholeheartedly believe in you. Thanks, buddy. You know? Thanks, man. I'm so glad you're doing this. I was talking to Lacey yesterday, and she was like, man, this is such a great thing, man. Because uh, it offers a true voice for you. In, mm. in a whole different way and uh, it's it's beautiful yeah we had we had actually talked about this i remember i was yeah. i was working and just i i had a feeling and then when i have feelings i i have a rule where i don't stifle a generous good impulse. for you and so that's when i shot you a text i'm like hey i just want you to know i'm proud of you yeah and then you call me back i'm like this is awesome yeah and then we just had this conversation and i told you about the idea yep. of this right 
And and then here we are. Yep. And it's just the beginning. And I've been seeing it everywhere with all these Finnish people in my life now. Now that you've opened it up, I'm like, no, oh, this is I'm see I'm hearing it. I'm seeing it. I'm like, that's my dude. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And it's it's this again. This is not a this is not a me thing. I always say it's a we thing. This whole the whole idea and and finding, you know, strength through the connection, appreciating things, gratitude, yeah. growth, humility, uh, and then again leaving all this stuff and these lessons for my kids one day, and ultimately having product and then using that money to create environments or, or, or opportunities for people that might not have had it otherwise. Sure. Right. I think even the conversation offers yes, that opportunity. Absolutely. Right? Oh you know? my gosh. The feedback I've gotten has, if I stopped the show, this was the last episode of the CCUA done. One of the coolest things I've done in my life hmm. because of the connection and the impact I've had with people that I've never physically met. Right. It's and also now that you have begun it, a responsibility mm-hmm. to see it out like that. And that's, that's the other thing, you know? Well, that was the delay. Why I didn't do it a year ago. Sure. But now... I didn't want to be careless with it. Yeah. Yep. This is something that, you know, like the podcast is fun, but this takes a, takes yeah. focus, takes my passion, takes energy. And I, I open up and I put myself yeah. into this. It's important that we're not careless. And it's important that we say what we want and what we are so that we're not careless with each other. You know, and I was thinking that about like, it's something that you could say to a younger dude that you wouldn't, um, it wouldn't have very much strength because they go, yeah, whatever. But there is a value to not endeavoring any kind of sexual relations with a woman or something. Unless you're really sure about what Mm -hmm. everybody's intentions are. Because you could be being very careless. And they could be being careless with themselves or not saying what they wanted. You know, and that thing about somebody looking for a relationship and somebody looking for sex, it might not look like a a horrible schism or a hurt that happens, but there will be a hurt from that to some degree. And uh, you get to choose with everything, with hyper responsibility. Do I want to be a part of that or do I not want to be a part of that? Do I want to be a part of the goodness somehow? And and, and all those things, man, we've got to tell each other who we are fearlessly. Mm -hmm. And so this... The show, every episode, the people that I have on it, this is all like very deliberate action for me. I'm not just looking, oh, that person has a million followers. Let me have them on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I don't care about that. And like I said earlier, it's the titles I don't, it's the, it's the person, it's the sure. soul, right? It's that unconquerable soul in the person. And that's why it makes this okay for me to do and take away from kids or you know, calling my mom back because she keeps blowing up my phone. Yeah. So thank you for spending the time with yeah, me. Yeah, of course, man. You know? I love any opportunity I have to build into a conversation with somebody that I love and care about and respect. It's a, it's a, it's a dying, it's a dying form conversation is, you know, it's a, it, it's interesting. And, and to me, it's valuable. It's, to me, it's one of the things I get the biggest kick out of. Yeah. So and now, but we have it's the a privilege bit, to be here, dude. Thank dude. you. And, and <laughs> hopefully we do this again one of these days. We shall. Um, again, you can find Tate show, the pirate life. Oh yeah. Pirate life radio. You can find, uh, got Instagram and I think, uh, our website is up also. It's got all the links there. And, uh, well again, we, it's the, it's a similar thing with the, you know, what, what, when you choose a podcast, you're like, well, am I in health and wellness? Am I in comedy? Am I in like, there's too many 
I'm, I'm too broad to be able to be in one of those yeah. spectra. So I don't, I don't, I don't even, I, maybe mine's in health and fitness. I'm not sure where it is, but talk to a wide breadth of people and, uh, and just conversations that are juicy, man. I just want to be in the conversation. And because no matter what it is that I have, whether it's my health, whether it's my spirituality, whether it's uh, my kids or whatever the thing is, whatever the thing is that we can point to, if I'm not in the conversation of that thing, I don't have it anymore. You know, yep. that doesn't belong to me. I have to be, I have to be engaged. That's the thing is, and, and that's the biggest thing I think I need you to try means, you know, is that I need you to be engaged, man. I need you to be a participant. We don't need spectators, man. We do not need spectators. That's why if you use this information, hopefully you're, you write it down, go back and listen to it and apply it. Yeah, man. No trying. It's the application. It's not the thought. It's the application. Here's another little bit of homework for you guys before we wrap the show. Um, I was going on. I, I saw on your Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, your Facebook cover was, uh, you know, it says Nah, right? And then Rosa Parks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a little, a little tidbit of information for people here. Claudette Colvin. Anyone know? Anyone? Right? Crickets. So a little bit of homework assignment is look up Claudette Colvin. Another way to look up, Google the real Rosa Parks. Claudette Colvin was a 15-year-old girl who nine months prior to Rosa Parks was arrested in Montgomery, Alabama for refusing to give up her seat to a white woman uh, after being ordered by the bus driver. She tells a story of like not wanting to get up, but then her two friends behind her, one of her, hand, one of her friends had one shoulder down the other friend held her other shoulder down. Wow. So eventually the police come, pull her off, and she gets taken to jail, locked in a cell. Is in there for a few hours until she's bailed out by uh, family and I think a clergy member. Claudette Colvin and the people she was with, the, I believe the four of them, got the Supreme Court case going. Rosa Parks was this secretary of the local chapter in Montgomery, Alabama of the NAACP. Rosa Parks fielded calls about Claudette, um, helped raise money for her legal fund. Nine months. Yep. So then Rosa Parks became uh, almost like a deliberate action of the the NAACP. It it was deliberate, Yeah, right? and And the black leaders then. Because Claudette Colvin, had they felt, had darker skin, uh, she was 15 years old. They thought she was pregnant. They thought she was having, I don't know if she did or not, but had a, a, an affair with a married man. So it didn't really fit the mold. Mm-hmm. Rosa Parks, older, uh, lighter skinned, fit like the working class type of look. And so Rosa Parks, nine months later, went, goes and gets arrested. And then Rosa Parks is used for the movement. But I kind of feel like the homework there is go read about Claudette because she is, like I said, the real Rosa Parks. So it's a little about education, right? Yeah. Because she's kind of been blackballed a little bit from the whole thing. There's a great thing about it too about uh, that Malcolm Gladwell writes about. I, I believe it's in What the Dog Saw, but he does a remarkable thing about the MLK walks and about the dog, mm-hmm. the, the famous photo of the dog barking and menacing little kids basically but what all the, yeah it's a fascinating topic about how race relations were changed yep. and and you had to be intentional about it yep absolutely so 
It wasn't just going to happen. Yeah, this isn't like, I'm, it's definitely my point in bringing up the education is not to say that Rosa Parks wasn't important. Right. It, but it's also the important thing to recognize not just Rosa Parks, but Claudette Colvin and all what all the, the even the youth of the people that went through sure. in that time. How about all the Claudettes that we don't know their names? Exactly. That were beaten yep. to death. Yep. That so were just left. It's about doing your own little bit of research, yep. spend some time doing it. Uh, also, that particular movement at that time is what brought Martin Luther King to the limelight. Right. In 1955, Montgomery, Alabama. And then Martin Luther King doesn't really exist without a Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. decades before. He's just trying to do his thing. And then they, I think, look at that with a little time and they go, we need to do that, but with intention. Yep. So um, check that out. If you're really interested in learning a bit, a little bit more, read Martin cool. Luther King's letter from Birmingham jail. It's something he wrote while he's in jail for uh, leading a march about uh, he's trying to clear up some anti-segregation issues and some of the Jim Crow laws and stuff. Fascinating stuff. It's not read it. And the reason I'm saying it is, is you're, it keeps you out of like the mainstream media that is putting like a weird Lord sort of spin on it. So get the information direct from the source is my point. I love that in the, you know, a lot of times we look at a horrible thing and we go, ah, well, a good thing happened out of that. It's like, no, no, there's a a thousand, there's 10,000 horrible things that happen before enough people could get it together to expose the thing and they had to recreate it. They had to recreate the horror again. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, man. Yep. Yeah. So, Check it out. Beautiful. Yeah. I will. Um, a couple things going on with the show to give you guys a heads up. Um, have the Instagram going, the Sisu way. So trying to find like this weird balance between like my personal Instagram account and the Sisu way one, right? And I have this, I created, I was like, do I even need to create another one? I was like, ah, might as well. But I'm using the main one for the show usually because it's, the more I, I found like the more stuff, like whether it's balancing a Facebook account, balancing multiple Instagram accounts, balancing timing of Instagram stories and posts and, and blog write-ups and all this other stuff that could go on with the show. Right. And I'm being careful and deliberate with making sure the message is clear and focusing on the quality of the content and what the purpose of the show is, which I talk about in episode one for dad and mm. keeping, keeping my why clear. So... My point, go check out one Scott McGee on Instagram yeah, and at the Sisu way. Yeah. And also, thank you guys very much for the heartfelt reviews on iTunes. Oh, and those matter. Go on there and review that. It matters, man. Yeah, it does. Yeah, if you dig it, you don't have to pay for anything. But man, if you could click iTunes and give five-star reviews, that matters. Yes, yeah. Thank you. It's a weird, here's another thing. It's a weird thing to ask for because like, sure. I'm definitely not, I'm not in this. But people want to know how to help. Yeah, exactly. They do. And if, and if they it don't helps, know that. If it helps the show, and then for some reason, by helping the show, it brings the, the show and information to those out there that are looking for it. Again, like, a, like a, a lighthouse in a storm. If someone's looking for a lighthouse, giving those reviews can help. So Absolutely. I'm, I have gratitude for that. So thank you guys very much. A couple other things in the, in the works. I'm working on getting some prints done and some shirts done and some two different prints. That'll be like the, my Sisu poster over here. And another uh, more specific Way podcast type of print. It's going to look super cool. Um, a lot of the listeners suggested it multiple times. And so I'm working on it. Cool. 
and also working on a uh, challenge coin. So look forward to making that available for you guys. Right. And Tate, thank you, my brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hope you all have a great day. And guys, remember, health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. Get up strong and be unconquerable. Thank you.